0: to episode five of Movie Mumble, the monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where we seek to broaden our cinematic horizons. I'm your host, Scott Murray, and today I'm joined by my towering friends, Joel Lewis. Hi there. And Tim Gerard. <laughs> Hello. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe Tim's not so towering. No. <laughs> eh. Little legs. For those of you unfamiliar with Movie Mumble, it is a monthly podcast where we get together, watch a film, and then talk about it. The goal is to introduce ourselves to new films, genres, styles, and themes. We each take turns picking a film to watch, whether it's one we already know and love or something completely new and unfamiliar, then watch it together in the hope that we find unexpected new joys along the way. There aren't really any rules regarding what films we can pick. They can be foreign or domestic, live-action or animated, new or old, famous or obscure, anything at all. After we've watched each movie, we talk about it and see where that leads us, whether it's discussing the film's context and production, talking about our own personal movie memories, or something else altogether. At the end of each podcast, we will announce what we're watching next month, so you can sort of watch along with us if you'd like. Keep in mind, we will not withhold spoilers for any of the films we talk about, so if you're worried about that sort of thing, you'd better watch it before you listen to this podcast. This month, I was our movie selector, and I picked Shin Godzilla. Oh, dear the Lord. most recent Godzilla film And the first one out of Japan and Toho In quite a while uh, Yes, Japanese Godzilla, not the Brian Cranston one You all <laughs> may remember from a few <laughs> years ago
1: That's its own discussion I, we'll I mean, I know,
0: that one was more publicized in the US mm-hmm. I don't want there to be any mix-ups We're also doing our new thing this cycle Where we flip a coin and decide which of the two people Who didn't pick a movie will describe it
2: woo-hoo. Joel has also so <laughs>
0: graciously provided us With a gorgeous coin you may have heard it in the last episode, it makes a wonderful sound. <laughs> and uh, That's half the reason we do the coin imagine, toss. Yeah, I, what, <laughs> what more reason do you need? It's the one sound effect we have. <laughs> <laughs> last month, Tim, you called it in the air, so I think this month we'll have Joel call it. Woo-hoo. Okay. And then After that meme, we can cycle through that way if that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. I'll set my laptop aside for a moment. Are <laughs> hey, you, gentlemen. Heads. I fumbled that toss, I do apologize. That's all right. I fumbled that horribly. Here we go. I'm going to do that again. For real oh, oh, heads my again. Jam.
1: Didn't work. My,
0: I'm not... Okay. Last one. Heads. There we go. And it is heads. Joel, who's going to be describing? Oh, I can see the conflict in his face. I don't know, because <laughs> I the the really... Conflict. like you want to. I really do, but I also want to hear
1: you talk about it, because it's another kind of convoluted <laughs> cavalcade of... Climactic incidents. <laughs> I'm sorry, my alliteration got away from me. I'll, I'll, I'll describe the plot.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. First of all, I need to describe this film as the best Godzilla film I've seen. Wow. And oh, wow!
0: That's a yeah, glowing, glowing recommendation coming from Joel.
1: Yeah. So we'll. I'll, I'll get into my history with the franchise a little later on, but we'll we'll try and. and go through the plot here okay. um, so Godzilla shows up um, but he's not the Godzilla that we've come to know and love from uh, movie posters he's uh-huh. kind of googly eyed <laughs> and he's described as <laughs> kind of yeah. a uh, lung fish type organism that's kind of just dragging himself across the uh, Japanese um, coastline um, into more and more populated areas and kind of It's a lesser evolved form of Godzilla Before we get the uh, tyrannical monster That we've come to know and love over the years Um, So it it shows up And we get a lot of men in conference rooms (laughs) With clipboards (laughs) And just a lot of parliamentary procedure And bureaucracy about How do we deal with a a crisis of this magnitude It does take
0: place in Japan Sorry, yep. I did say it was the Japanese Godzilla, but yep. again, since the last one took place everywhere but yeah, <laughs> Alright, just want to clarify. Yeah. Tokyo, yes. Sorry, Joel, please. No,
1: that's all right. And then, so what happens is, um, <laughs> every single decision has to go through seven layers of bureaucracy, and the p- prime minister has to make every final decision. And there's a very great—he's uh, um, like the assistant or key advisor who's constantly saying, "We need a decision now." We need a decision now. <laughs> we, need to, we get great shots Sorry, of the prime the minister, yours, huh? <laughs> and the prime minister has these great shots of really contemplating what needs to happen. And I mean, it's it's kind of comic the the, the um, redundancy of it all. But th- that's how decisions get made, and that's something I really liked about the film. Anyway, so Godzilla shows up. He's this lungfish-type creature, googly-eyed. You get the, you can see the classic spines on his back. He's got the massive tail. Which we'll probably talk about a lot. Um, and he's just kind of crawling his way through the city. Um, and let me see if I can consult my notes here. Um. We were supposed to be taking notes? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you said that now? Because usually I'm the one taking notes. And then you
0: say, wait, I was are supposed to be taking notes? But tonight it was Joel. So, I don't know t- this is
1: what this test is on. <laughs> so there's a number of different things that they have to talk about with the idea of militarizing and making it an, uh, a military ex- uh, um, exercise trying to deter the monster because it would be the first time that it would be a war-ready Japan post-World War II. So this is a continuity where they've never seen a kaiju before um, so it's, it's a huge precedent about arming a, a nation against mm-hmm. uh, uh, an aggressor that's n- not a sovereign nation, that's not a cataclysmic um, force of nature, like a, a typhoon or a uh, hurricane. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, like, how do we define it, what do we do in trying to get information about it. Um, there's a number of different side plots. Some of them are kind of, like, petty political machinations of uh, lower-level guys, which was really interesting. Um, there's also a... Uh, the U.S. has a, a pretty big... Well, I mean, big... Their involvement... Visible. Visible. It's a a visible involvement Mm -hmm. with the U.S. There is a specific agent from uh, the U.S. who is Japanese-descended, who kind of brings this side plot of... There was a um, professor in Japan who was aware of the uh, uh, nuclear waste dumping which led to Godzilla's creation. And he kind of did some research and found out um, that basically Godzilla was a life form that existed um, that was feeding off the nuclear waste that was dumped in a specific area and basically became this biological nuclear reactor. So it has gills that act as kind of uh, the ventilation system and then its blood is the cooling system for this nuclear reactor organism and as it moves through different environments it adapts and can evolve based on its surroundings, which is really, really cool. Um, So it it goes through, like, it's in this lungfish stage and it crawls through and there's great shots, great destruction. Like I said, the the first time you see Godzilla head on, he's kind of googly-eyed, it kind of looks unfinished and I mean, that's the point, because it's this earlier evolved form. It goes through this section and then um, it's pushing up against things. There's some great Shots of um, it going up a a little channel and sailboats and uh, speedboats just being pushed down this channel down the main thoroughfares Um, and then it it gets to this point where it can stand upright and um, it's kind of growing into more Godzilla-like and then it goes into a period of remission so it has to go underwater and it reassesses the environment and evolves off-screen during this period, we see uh, another um, flurry of conference room meetings. We get a really great... Um, uh, so w- one of the smaller uh, like, um, political um, advisors who's kind of moving it towards... Because it was unclear whether it was a, uh, a natural disaster, an uh, underwater volcanic eruption, or a, um, an actual organism... One of the, the advisors claimed it was an organism and wanted to act a certain way from the very beginning. He becomes the main protagonist of the film. Um, he assembles this ragtag group of kind of freaks and geeks, these guys that are kind of on the fringe. And they've got um, all these weird ideas about how to go about defeating Godzilla. Um, so they come up with a plan, and it's, it's kind of the plan they stick with throughout the whole thing. and It takes a long time to develop uh, once they discover that Godzilla is this biological nuclear reactor, they want to try and find a way to cool his blood to a point where nuclear reactions can no longer happen. So they develop a formula for a coagulant to introduce into his bloodstream to um, basically freeze him in place. And there's logistics. They, they uh, discovered this the professor that had um, done the research and kind of, Left it out to be discovered, um, knowing it was going to be a threat to Tokyo. Um, He developed, or he he showed kind of the DNA, inner workings of how Godzilla made these nuclear reactions happen within himself. And it's this big laid out thing, and they spend most of the movie trying to figure out what method is in that madness, and they discover (laughs) that the way to defeat Godzilla is through origami. So they take this road map of the the genetic material or how um, Godzilla processes material and fold it into different shapes and it it starts to make sense to them and they find out through that that the coagulation um, method is plausible and could work. Um, While they're doing that, military is brought in and we see a lot of stuff thrown at Godzilla in this movie and so much of
0: the mobilization of every ounce of military power that modern day Japan can
1: bring to bear and it's so ineffective it does not make a dent and i've never felt so hopeless watching a godzilla movie on behalf of humanity i was like what the fuck are they going to do <laughs> and that was before we get to see godzilla's uh uh atomic breath so before that they throw uh, light machine guns Heavy machine guns
0: 30mm um, cannon And then rockets, missiles, missiles
1: From uh, their helicopters To no effect Then they bring in Bombs from the F-2s
0: Yep The Japanese The JSDF's uh, attack, Ground attack
1: aircraft And then they strafe them With tank fire And artillery And and missiles. To no effect. Mm -hmm. And every single one of them, he walks straight through. There's no physical evidence of any damage being taken by him. They just bounce off. And then the USA comes to the rescue with fire and fury. And we get stealth bombers that were... um, So a little preface of this. The U.S. has been this heavily um, influential part of the movie, kind of sanctioning towards heavy force trying to get Japan to do things a certain way um, and as we see all of the artillery from the uh, Japanese military be ineffectual we see a number of blatantly Caucasian actors leave the war room um, as uh, we discover a few moments later there are stealth bombers in um, route so they knew they were coming nobody else knew they were coming so they come and they drop some heavy duty ship and I what, I can't quite remember what it was, Scott. Massive you... ordnance penetrator. Okay, and uh, boy did they! That penetra- my nickname in undergrad. 30000 thirty <laughs> <laughs> thousand 30, pound bunker buster. And these are the first things. No, these are the first things that we see really make an impact on Godzilla. They cut into his back. You see this cascade of blood, and you really see. Okay, this this might be. It. I'm, I'm At this point I'm so engrossed in the movie I don't know how long we've been I don't know how much there's left I'm just totally immersed And it's like oh is this how just USA comes in to save the day Thank God that's not the case Because Godzilla responds to this torrent of fire With the most spectacular Devastating atomic breath I've ever seen in my life It was outstanding Just hellfire De- Devastating the whole of Tokyo and I, 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 I was slackjawed. I was speechless. I, I looked. I, I was sitting at the edge of my seat with my mouth open and covering my mouth. I, 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 it was spectacular and terrifying. And I, I, I wrote down: What the fuck are they gonna do now? Yes. That, that's the end. There's no coming back from this. It's, it's devastating. And they show. And after I mean this is a point where he's gotten into Tokyo lights have gone off it's this he, he's he's in his fully formed wh- how we know him from previous movies and it, it, he's glowing against the blackout city. He gets hit and he just decimates the cityscape I, and in the aftermath of that there there's some shots of just the after he kind of explodes with this atomic breath um they uh he he kind of has to power down because he's exhausted all of his energy um and there's just a shot of he, he's kind of inert in one place and everybody's evacuated and it's just this blazing gash of carnage across the cityscape and it was amazing i, I I'm <laughs> I'm find, finding no shortage of words for describing this mm-hmm. sequence it, it was just Incredible, and I I mean, I I just forgot one of my favorite parts. We see something that Godzilla's never done. After he uses the atomic breath, he engages the spines on his back in laser points and just decimates everything above him. I mean, energy's got to come out somewhere. So just
0: by closing its mouth, it's It's focused out of a different. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm.
1: And oh man, just ah, uh, it's everything I wanted this movie to be. <laughs> and I was quite excited to see this one, so there's a b- bunch of hype. Um, so that happens. Then uh, the U.N. and the U.S. Um, kind of sanction nuclear deterrent. They're going to drop a warhead on Godzilla and basically destroy Tokyo. Um, it, it would be a, a nuclear bomb with a U. Was it 200 times I don't that? I remember of, what the Megaton was,
0: but I, I mean... The UN basically just steps in and says, we can't let this go any farther. We got a nip it in the bud here. And we're just going to bring to bear the most powerful weaponry humanity has ever created.
1: And throughout the course of uh, Godzilla's atomic breath destruction, all of the uh, higher level cabinet and the PM is murdered, um, elevating the uh, uh, Minister for Agriculture to the position of PM. and it's kind of, uh, as he comes up, we kind of get a little bit of the political uh, dialogue about why is this guy here? It's not going to be very effective. He actually turns out to be a very thoughtful and measured PM. Yeah, there's and a great little discussion about
0: why did they make the agriculture guy the prime minister and about, oh, well, no one wants to be prime minister. Right. And they're sort of expecting failure. Right. So they picked someone who it sort of would really matter.
1: And he ends up making, he... he, he um, Engages with the U.N. and agrees to this nuclear option, but he also is persuaded by our um, um, lower-level protagonist um, about letting the um, coagulation, the the, um, ragtag team's plan, kind of continue and stalling out um, the um, U.N. nuclear option, trying to find a way to implement this coagulation plan um, so that Japan can own the solution that they're not being imposed on by this outside force. And they end up developing or finding the uh, origami method of figuring out how it works, um, end up engage, or uh, implementing a lot of the um, private sector fabrication facilities to produce the liquid that they end up using, um, and they finally get everything together. And as they come in to attack Godzilla it's this great four-tiered plan where Godzilla's been inert they send in bullet trains with bombs that upsets the balance and Godzilla starts to move and he's reacting to uh, fire from below. Then I wrote this down let me make sure I have okay so attack with the trains from below then um, they send in drones that the um, American agent was able to bring in from the U.S. They attack from above and we get to see the uh, backspine spine uh, lightning effect again. But it, it's just overwhelming. They're trying to get Godzilla to expend as much of his energy up rather than out with his atomic breath. Then they uh, um, detonate a bunch of explosives in the buildings surrounding Godzilla to collapse them in on him. And then they target buildings with um, I think they were tanks outside the city limits to mm-hmm. collapse yep. more on. Him. So we were they get him to his knees and, and they then with, cover uh, him with missiles rubble. from the naval ships yep. to collapse the buildings. Yep. yep. And then um, as he's subdued under this rubble, they bring in the uh, they're kinda like crane. <laughs> Apparatuses to feed the coagulant into like his long mouth. Like the
0: pipe cranes that they might yep. use to pump concrete or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, what or I wrote roses. down,
1: um, he's kind of there with slack jawed, and they're putting these tubes in his mouth, and I was saying, we defeated Godzilla with modern dentistry. <laughs> that was my <laughs> <laughs> kind of, um, the way I was processing it. So mm-hmm. there's a first wave, they go in, they get about 20% of the liquid that they had planned into his body, and then Godzilla gets up. And then um, he destroys that first wave... And he moves um, towards these train tracks. And they send every train in Tokyo loaded with explosives at his feet and just decimate the guy's knees and shins. And he (laughs) falls to the ground again, really staggers. They're able to bring in a second and third wave of these cranes and just pump the guy full of coagulant. And he... It, it, it works and he, he's frozen and he, he kind of looks like Mecha Godzilla so I'm, I'm interested to see if there is a sequel where it would go. Um, so he's frozen in stasis kind of everybody there's a victory everybody's kind of um, excited. And the lower level guy that we kind of have been following he um, ends up being in a position to run for prime minister as the um, kind of um, makeshift government that was put into place will be bowing out. And kind of this idea that um, Godzilla is frozen, but if there's ever any movement, that the UN will respond with nuclear force right away. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of victory and this hope for rebuilding, but also this kind of um, shadow of future nuclear problems. Mm -hmm. And that was Shin Godzilla. (laughs) <laughs> oh, man, God guys, damn, it, it was beautiful.
0: Both of you, your summaries, I mean, when you said summaries, I was thinking, oh yeah, well you we should do like a paragraph or two sort of thing. Like, you know, a summary. And then, y'all, Tim, you walked through every last step on Her Majesty's Secret <laughs> Service. And now, Joel, you did the same
1: with <laughs> Shane Godzilla. So you have big shoes to oh, fill God. next time.
0: Next week, next month, week? Why did I say week? Next month. <laughs> well, damn. whenever
1: you get picked... It Plus might be true. a running yeah, thing where we, we you would might just... Go, yeah. Yeah.
0: Pick each other, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Man, Although so, I
4: won't well, have to do it next time. Cause it's no, thing, it'll be your so,
0: film, man. Yeah. Yeah. God so.
1: damn, I love this movie. Well yeah.
4: well
0: done, Well, Thank you for summarizing. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. I really am. I really like this movie, and it's always nice when mm-hmm. you find people who love the things you love. One side note, I, you keep referring to Godzilla as a he, as I know you That's two right. know, yeah. but the audience doesn't yet. I habitually refer to Godzilla as a she... I sometimes it's a he, sometimes no, she. I don't. Whatever. I don't care. If you're mad about the correct version, uh, you know, whatever. Go find an internet <clears> forum <throat> to yell
4: about it on. I mean, the, we just we about Godzilla here. We all yeah. know what we're talking about. Yeah. All right, let us be. It's Godzilla, not Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> first language joke of the night. There may
1: be many. All right. So, Scott, um, mm-hmm. how did you first come into the? this film.
0: Happened. I don't know. I mean, it's Godzilla. How <laughs> do you not? I, you know, Godzilla is such an icon. I, everyone knows about Godzilla, mm-hmm. about the franchise, about the monster. I'm not... I'm really not 100% sure. I might have been reading something about the Brian Cranston Godzilla, uh-huh. the American one, and someone mentioned, oh yeah, there's a Japanese one coming. I heard about it that way. I might have heard about it in an Evangelion forum where someone said that Anno, the creator of that show... Was directing the next Godzilla, and I went, ooh, or, or I like, could have just seen a trailer. I, I really don't remember when I first heard about it, but when I first heard about it, it was a long way coming, long way away. And at some point, I remember that there were plans for a theater release in the yeah. U.S. a very limited run. And I remembered in October of whatever year that was. Point, oh, 2016, because the film only came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. So I remembered. Oh, oh, wait. I remember they said the theater release fall of this year and I typed in Cincozillo US Theater Google ding 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 and it the last day was the night I typed that in <laughs> and it, I was typing it at like 11 at night and yeah, you know, like last true. day of showings you know this date at like 9 <laughs> ah so I missed it so I kept my eyes peeled for the eventual American disc release and pre-ordered it you oh. sent me the confirmation email
1: yeah I was I was, yeah. I was excited I was excited so <laughs>
0: So that's how I came into possession of this. Also, the only Godzilla movie I own,
1: in stark contrast to Joel, where I think this is the only one he doesn't own. Uh, there are 29 Godzilla films. I own 22 of them. <laughs> soon to be 23, because I'm buying this as soon as I can. <laughs> um, this thing is spectacular. It's the
0: 29th made by Toho. But apparently, the 31st in the franchise, this last one.
1: Oh, okay. Huh. So I have 21 Lately. of the Toho releases. Mm-hmm. I have one American release. Okay. And I'll be buying this one.
0: So you have a long history with Godzilla, clearly. Uh, <laughs> I have a more colloquial history and sort of fell into this one. I, I did see the American Godzilla with Frank Kastner in theaters. and You know, I, I liked it a lot, so I... I wonder if I'm not sure how I ended up seeing that either. <laughs> Maybe just casual interest, but I've stepped in more recently. But Tim, mm. what's your history
4: with Godzilla? Um, they used to be, yeah, ah, <laughs>
0: yeah, not a lot. I, I, was Godzilla
4: he or she then? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was college, you know. Yeah, we don't, don't know okay. each <laughs> Um, I think the only ones I've seen, like, I yeah, kind of knew knew of it as a kid. I saw the Matthew Broderick one. I was kind of like, I, you know, like oh, it was kind of a big deal because that mm-hmm. was like the I, that was like the first American one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, okay, cool. Like I'm, you know, I, I didn't want to necessarily catch up on all of them, but okay, here's a way for me to see Godzilla in a modern setting, and you know, and, and it was like, okay, I didn't know it was supposed to be a comedy. That's fine. <laughs> okay, sure.
1: Um, is it comedy? <laughs> it's a, It's difficult describing what that movie is. <laughs> Um, and I feel like, didn't it come out,
4: like, soon after Jurassic Park? And I remember I remember it, that it was, was... I think it was on the tail of Jurassic yeah. or Lost World. On the, the tail. Second. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I remember that, that being kind of part of it, is like, okay, like, didn't we just see a bunch of dinosaurs? I'm like, okay, I guess Godzilla's bigger, and it's in New York, not like you're going to this isolated island, so it's a bigger deal, but it seemed like, you know, almost like the, the idea of Jurassic Park was what kind of ignited it, like, oh, like, oh, hey, we just did a thing with a bunch of dinosaurs, let's do this big monster from Japan, like, let, now's the time to bring that in, and, you know, probably had a lot to do with, like, the technology catching up to there, um, but, but it was fine, it wasn't, you know, like, it didn't blow me away, um, and then I also saw the Brian Cranston one in the theaters, I really, I, I liked that one, I thought, it, I mean, it had its has flaws, like, I thought it was weird that they were just, like, eating missiles, and, and
0: Oh, the muto thing? Yeah. I
4: thought that was weird. Like, I get the whole, like, needing, like, you know, the atomic energy or whatever, but it's just like, all right, you're just gonna chomp down on an entire missile? Like, okay, sure. You know, I mean, I mean, I guess that's how humans eat. It's like, oh, I need, you know, oh, I need this, this vitamin or whatever, so it's like, all right, I'll wrap it in a bunch of bread. (laughs) You know. Um, So, yeah, so this is only, like, the third Godzilla one I've seen, and it was... It was kind of neat. You know, I didn't ha- have any preconceived notions, really. Uh, the only thing I knew about it was the, the trailer that, Scott, you showed to me that mm-hmm. um, I thought was a very effective trailer. Because it showed his atomic breath, but not all of it. Like, there were still yeah, that parts that were in the film <laughs> that we I, didn't I see in the trailer. I saw video
0: before I saw the film, actually. I don't remember where or how. Mm-hmm. But whoever did that did a beautiful job of cutting it so that there were no spoilers. Yeah, you know, you see the breath, and you see it go all lasery, and you see it cut through buildings, but you don't see the dorsal fin part. You don't see the helicopter. And how, like, shutdown. his bottom don't jaw, like, the, opened the jaw. up. You don't see like, the B two bombers. Yeah. You don't see any of that. Yeah. So, whoever that was, thank you, thank you so much. You did a brilliant job of showcasing something cool. Maybe you yeah. want to see the film without spoiling anything. Yeah. I I don't know. I could never. I could not find the original video now. I'm sure it's been over mm-hmm. a year. But, but whoever you were, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so um, that was yeah, your I, first exposure. Yeah. yeah,
4: so so that that was that's pretty much my my yeah my history with Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I, I like this one probably not as much as Joel, but <laughs> but I I still dug it. It was still like yeah, like there were still those moments where you're just like, oh my god, like you know something I I almost didn't feel that invested at a lot of times. You know when there was a lot of discussion, I, I will admit I dozed off a few times, but then when like when shit hit the fan i just remember being like holy crap like this is this is this is new this is neat this is like you know this is terrifying you know like um so i feel like it was really cool that those moments still had that impact even though i wasn't as engaged you know mm-hmm. um to really kind of pull me <laughs> pull me out of my sleep and be like oh shit you got to look at this
0: it, it's interesting that all talking in the conference rooms and such is It's very governmental, Mm -hmm. which applies to plenty of countries. But there are a lot of little things that are very Japanese. Like the entire discussion about how do we mobilize the SDF, the Self-Defense Force, which is what Japan's military is called. Mm -hmm. Not just called, oh hey, the army, it's the the SDF, the Self-Defense Force. There's a whole little thing about exchange about the section in their constitution that allows them to mobilize the military and someone else says, "Well, yeah, but that same section also says we can only do it after an armed attack." Mm-hmm. I mean, this At creature isn't At that point, Godzilla armed. hadn't had arms. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> true; it didn't. The arms were still sort of growing, but but yes, it, so you know they're sort of quibbling over the political details of how do we mobilize our military? Mm-hmm. You know, in the U.S., that wouldn't have been an issue. The president Nuked would the have master. said, "Blow it up," and they would have. You yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Instead, you get these whole sequence of scenes of different people in different offices trying to find some political justification
4: to mobilize the
1: SDF. You really get a sense that every decision carries weight. Mm -hmm. It's not just throw everything we have at it, which is what you would get. I'm sorry, John. No, no, just what you would get in the American versions of these Mm -hmm. things is Mm -hmm. let's throw everything we have at it. And Mm
0: -hmm. because this takes place in present-day Japan, where there are no other kaiju, like this is Pacific Rim, Japan, right. we've been fighting these things for decades. This is completely unprecedented. And there's a line in there somewhere about this Would is the first mobilization of our military since World War II. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big
4: deal. Huge oh, cultural
0: man. impact. You know, especially for the Japanese. Yeah. But for everyone else, too. That, you know, that we have this nation that hasn't gone to war for... Duh. 70 years now I mean
1: and what a decision to have to make to allow the UN to use nuclear strikes on your most populous they're almost bullied into that decision
0: security council comes along and says we want to drop a nuke on Tokyo but because it's your country we really need your government to approve it Right. Uh, so approve it (laughs) and I mean that's it they don't have any real choice you know And that, of course, that's a big deal, because Japan is the only nation that's ever had nuclear weapons used on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So now, now you're talking about Tokyo. Ooh. That beautiful line from the second prime minister. I never thought I'd go out history for something
4: like this. (laughs) Who did? Whoever would have thought that? This is a neat line that I liked. I forget... What the second half of it was exactly, <laughs> but when they were talking about, you know, post World War II, and they said something like, "Oh, I guess, you know, that's that's it's us always going to be that, yeah, yeah like for yeah. forever, post you know, wars, it's like forever. yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it's not you don't have this period of time, and then oh now it's this sort of third age. It's like right. there's pre World War II and there's post World War II, and that's it. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially for Japan, yeah, yeah especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about there being a. Uh, Post Godzilla, -Godzilla now, Mm -hmm. yeah, which is really interesting.
2: Mm.
1: It's also interesting that the the cause of Godzilla is not nuclear testing, but nuclear dumping, Dumping. Mm -hmm. and it seems to be specifically Japan's waste that contributes to that. Sometimes, I'm not
0: sure; I couldn't tell from that, to be honest.
1: There seems to be in certain of the other films, it's implied that it's nuclear testing on the path. Hitler, mm-hmm. on the part of mm-hmm. the Americans, that cause mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. bikini atoll and such. Yeah. That yeah. cause here guns. Here it's, it's
0: environmental, military. more than military. Mm-hmm. You know, dumping all this crap in the ocean. Well, look what happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that rings true certainly with the uh, Fukushima plant that happened recently. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Was that was that the twenty fourteen twenty fifteen? That was before the film. it was, it was very short before the yeah. film. But, uh, let me just Google that up real quick here.
1: I was going to say it's funny, but it's, it's not really funny that these are pretty real and pertinent issues of how I'm we get rid of by nuclear quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, okay, 2011.
0: But, but yeah, so not too far before yeah. the film. It's interesting that Godzilla's political message was not just oh, nuclear, and oh, military, and oh, environmental, but very... i is going to start redundant, but it was political. Mm-hmm. It was a lot to do with the function of government. There's that great line about the task force that our main character, Yaguchi, pulls together. A, and they introduce them to each other. They say, all right, we got you all here together. Forget rank. Forget seniority. Forget age. Forget all that other crap. You're all equal here. So everyone speak. We need all your minds. And then later, not too much later, there's that little bit in the morning after they've all been working all night where the one of them says, Look at this. No interdepartment arguing, no, you know, posturing or masculine, you know, or none of all that. We're just, look at this. We're all just working efficiently, smoothly, happily. For the greater good. And, you know, I say about, oh, there may be hope for this country yet, you know. Because, you know, the other scenes we see, you know, as portrayed in the film, there's a lot of that. There's that bit where the one young lady who later joins the task force, is in the room basically just seeing things that the others can't see. Mm-hmm. And one of the other ministers, oh, you know, forgive her lack of decorum. You know, oh, this You know, it's a weird contrast. Old versus new versus young, you know, of here she is just sort of saying what needs to be said, and the little circle of people on the prime minister, one of them begins
1: with an apology for wow. her... her for her conducting herself. You it's know, really that's interesting, the dynamic of the two <clears throat> kinds you know, of conference room.
0: So I mean, so his task force has that aside because that, oh, it's a waste, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of energy, just no, we need answers, yeah. work. That's so... You know, America has... Every country, I'm sure, has similar issues at play between old and young and old and new and, and just between different social constructs that change over time and mm-hmm. the constant interplay in any government between ceremony and practicality and you know efficiency and courtesy and all of these things that go together but uh, as portrayed in the film Japan in particular put a lot of emphasis on tradition the, the original government did mm-hmm. on seniority based literally on age right and that sort of thing and so there's this this Overarching theme in the film of political reform. You know, not just Godzilla's typical anti-military or or now, you know, environmental safety. Mm -hmm. Political reform that, in order to survive this kind of disaster, certain things need to be set aside. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that. That's just that's just really interesting to me.
1: And it's effortless. It doesn't feel heavy-handed. It just makes sense for how the film progresses. Is that they beat their heads against the bureaucracy for so much of the film that it seems like the natural next step is this punk rock kind of. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's what yeah. the, they're these ragtag group of misfits who end up solving the problem. And to their credit, the original government
0: begins to streamline mm. before it dies. You know, it's not all, it's not blind, it's not stupid, right. it knows what it's doing. You know, there's that whole beginning sequence you mentioned, Joel. They constantly have to ask the PM for a final say, mm. say and he's constantly going, Oh man, and what about this? and Mm -hmm. there's a little scene when Godzilla is still Tadpolezilla and the attack choppers line up ready to fire but they see some civilians after being assured the civilians were evacuated so the PM calls off the attack but even just getting him to getting everything in place to do it was just a whole process so then after Godzilla goes away and evolves to adult Godzilla and emerges again there's another sequence the choppers are on their way and as the choppers are flying first thing that happens is the PM says are we sure this time the evacuation." says yes I believe so yes so then once the choppers say they're in place the heads all turn back up to him and he pretty much just immediately yep. says okay yes attack go they're not because you know last time it escaped back into the ocean right. you can tell he's done with this too right. and, but even after is.
1: even after he has that reaction it goes through seven different levels of yes 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 yes, yeah. yes five.
0: he says yes the person he spoke to says yes. That guy spots into a phone says yes, says yes, says, yes, says yeah. yes, to the actual people in the field. Some of that I actually found very impressive in its efficiency mm-hmm. that you can communicate through every level of military command from the PM to the cabinet general to the division general to the field commander to the, finger to the, the chopper people on the trigger in seconds. Mm-hmm. Yes, click. Yes, picks up phone. Yes, clicks radio. Yes, fire. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And it's not dissimilar to the plan that stops Godzilla in the end, the way they communicate. Yeah. But, 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 I mean, yeah, it's still, it's still a little slow. It's almost like some of these things are just inherent in the size of government and military. But then lots of them are not. <laughs> and that first government is doing its best to strip away the unnecessary things. It was interesting
1: that the, the um, I, I can't remember the name of the main protagonist. Yaguchi was the. Naguchi. The Yaguchi with a Y last name. The Yaguchi, Yaguchi, Yaguchi plan for a while. So when I don't he know shows, pronouncing
0: a, that correctly. I apologize. I don't speak Japanese.
1: So when he shows up there at the end to implement the plan, he makes the decision to be on the line. Like, yes. there, directing. You can see it, it line much aside. It's safer if
0: you're from, you know, in the background. And he says, if a political decision needs to be made, I need I'm to the be one that needs to make it. I need to be there. Exactly.
1: I think it really... We we get a shot of him kind of... uh, When they're evacuating into the subways, he sees Godzilla in person for the first time. He sees his head kind of between these two buildings. And I think it really messes him up that there's this kind of nebulous nature to it. He's this this monster on a screen miles and miles away. He's finally on the ground. He sees the size and the scope of the thing that he's dealing with. And then after... um, the, the kind of um, destruction we, we get a sequence of him just walking, we see his face and he just he's furious he breaks and we don't we, he, he, he mouths a scream and we get to see he just is so frustrated because he hasn't had direct control he hasn't been able to make any headway against this colossal force. I think getting to see him see Godzilla in person really kind of reshaped how he was Considering this problem And how to, to take next steps mm. I liked that a lot
0: Yeah, that's a great scene The music just strikes up And the, the atomic breath lasers thing goes And I, they really Something I they do very well with this film Which won't be a surprise to anyone Who's watched Evangelion TV series that the director was known for I'm sorry to those of you who don't know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. Is that So Evangelion is another it's a kaiju TV series is that they did the sense of scale Really well yeah. Something that some films have a hard time communicating Especially in that scene And it's aftermath Of showing you how big Godzilla is mm-hmm. And then how much destruction There was around it You know it, There's a great bit from the, 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 the Evangelion rebuild Where the giant robot is shooting a gun At a monster And one of the shell casings from the gun Lands on a car and it's the full length of the car, it just flattens it like a pancake. And you just, like that. Oh, because otherwise you're watching this human-shaped robot fight this monster, and it's all sort of, oh, yeah, sure, just, you know, the city is tiny, like a toy. That shot really just thumped into perspective that,
4: oh,
0: I sit in cars. (laughs) Lots of people do.
1: We get a a sequence with that, with uh, the, the, they've kind of hit Godzilla with, Bigger artillery and the mm-hmm. s- smoke, and they're kind of like, okay, we sh- yeah, we hit him, yes. and then he throws a bridge <laughs> at the tanks <laughs> yes, out exactly. of the smoke.
0: that was just, that sense of
1: scale was communicated yeah. so well through the whole film, and really simply too. Like mm-hmm. that's a, just a great way of characterizing as that massive. How did you guys feel about visually? Because Godzilla films ah. are are an interesting kind of progression of. Rubber suit, CGI, CGI and rubber suit. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the cinematography in this. I don't know. How oh, yeah. Know.
0: I love the visual, the whole package. But Godzilla, the the thing, is all CG through the whole film.
4: Is it it's really? Pretty
0: sure. I'm pretty sure, as far as I know. But it also, you see, you're surprised because it doesn't look like it. No, it <laughs> there looks rubber sometimes. Godzilla looks like rubber. Not to its detriment. And that's done on purpose, because to show that they know where they're coming from. They know their roots, and they're they're paying respect to the tradition. Even to some traditions, even as they show the way other tradition must be tossed aside. Tradition Mm -hmm. cannot be kept for tradition's sake always, but sometimes. I I think it's entirely
1: CG. It was really nice to see that Toho logo on a (laughs) modern film. I I said that as soon as it came out. I was like, (laughs) man, I like that.
0: But yeah, that I, I like that because in the the rubberiness of, of Godzilla's appearance, and the googly eyes of Tadpolezilla, and and some of the other things here and there, it, it does tell you oh yeah yeah Godzilla it's you know, it's clear this is where
4: that's come from. Yeah, it, um, <laughs> the thought I had was well, if there's anything we learned from from you know the Star Wars prequels, <laughs> it's that you know a puppet is better than CGI. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if they, I mean, if they've gotten to a point where, I feel like a lot of what they've learned now with filmmaking is to do a, a combination of real Practical stuff and kind of enhancing it with CGI to kind of round off the edges. But um, you know, and I think one of the big things I remember reading about is like lighting—the way light reflects off of things—and mm-hmm. that was something that they had a hard time in general doing with CGI. So if you had a real thing, and we're seeing how the light was interacting and how it was interacting with the stuff around it, and you know, then it was like, okay, if we add this stuff to it that, you know, that lighting is there. And of course I think they improved upon that too, but um, but yeah, there was definitely like a very like organic, solid feel to it. You know, I don't you know, whether it was, you know, completely CGI or suit or a mix of both, like it definitely it, it felt real, you know. And then the way it was interacting with the stuff around it, you know, you, you kind of got the sense of maybe the stuff being A model, but you still got the weight of the things. Mm -hmm. I think that was part of it too. Is like a lot of times you're like, okay, this must be a rubber suit and models, but like, like the things that are supposed to be models, they didn't look like models. They looked real. They looked like they had the detail of like that was really a car,
1: not like a model of a car. You know. Mm -hmm. I felt that a lot when they collapsed the buildings on top of them. Those felt like they had glass in them. They felt like they had weight. And they could actually make an impact just by sheer force of their weight falling
2: to
0: the ground on top Mm -hmm. of Godzilla. There's a shot during Tadpolezilla, Babyzilla, I still don't know (laughs) what my favorite phrase is, that googly eyezilla. Googly eyeszilla. Anyway, where she climbs up on a building and then just pushes the whole thing over. Yeah. There's a brief shot, and it's not not out of malice, it's just sort of struggling up the surface and leaning Mm -hmm. on it and it collapses. There's a shot, as it's climbing, of a family in an apartment. Can we get your stuff? We have to go and then the next shot is as the whole apartment tips I swear they built an apartment and then tipped the whole thing over because I, I just all the furniture slides they slide they're way. physically the in the building slide yeah. in a realistic way they like hit the wall things hit them I mean it wasn't they had to do that right they had to just build a box on a set elevated and tip the whole thing over mm-hmm. is there any other way they could have accomplished that I, I not that I know of I don't know yeah. it's not just you know the, the view out the window of the approaching ground is clearly a screen right but the stuff around them isn't just oh, it's just edited in some CG objects to hit the wall. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not
4: like Star Trek with oh, everyone right. move this
0: way, right. oh, everyone exactly. moved this way. It's, <laughs> I swear, it's real stuff. Like the uh, there are a couple places I've been to museums. They have earthquake simulation rooms. I swear
1: they just used one of those.
0: Mm. <laughs> that, yeah, was, that was incredible.
1: It's inter- It's it's a very bloodless film because you don't see a lot of humans destroyed in it. You see mm-hmm. a lot of buildings and that kind of carnage and you see a lot of running in the away. of
0: human construction. Right. But no, but with that
1: sequence, that's really, really early where we see that. And yeah. it really personalizes and makes like this is going to impact your home. And we see kind of in the wake of the carnage there's this pair of shoes and khakis that's just mangled. And with those two shots you establish kind of the, the inhumanity of it. Mm-hmm. without showing blood and guts and yeah. it's smeared all over the place That I think that that was really effective. I
0: think that's on purpose and it's well done because gore tends to personalize things. It tends to draw emotions of malice you know a lot of what we otherwise see in films when people die, PG-13 movies where the bad guys fall over when Bond shoots them You know, mm-hmm. or like a shot to the head or a stab or something I'll use Game of Thrones as a, as a good example there are, oh, beheadings right? and arrows and they thunk into people and then there are scenes where people get eaten alive or flayed or you know, and there's this marked difference between you're just dying because you're dying, because I need to kill you or execute the criminal, or it's a co- big combat and the soldiers are dying there's a marked difference between that and I'm, you know, executing my prisoner to make any example. You know, there's an extra sort of human emotion-based purpose behind the gore, and so in this film they take the gore away because there's no malice here. Godzilla isn't executing these tiny beings. Ha 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 ha! You know, it's just this force, and we're just in the way, like ants. It can't be stopped. And keeping it bloodless helps with that. It helps with the the outright force, the feeling of a, a. act of weather, a storm, or, or a, a Godzilla, you know.
1: It was really <clears throat> interesting to see kind of a, a comically large version of the fish becomes uh, legged and then can walk up, right? <laughs> that kind of el- evolutionary shape, but on a massive scale, with humanity going on already, it was a really weird juxtaposition of kind of like this genesis of life on land mm-hmm. that's massive. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I always think of it as like microscopic and then small. And that's yeah. the
0: thing is, this creature's genesis is enough to plow us out of the way with reckless abandon. Mm-hmm. It's like the so Rick and Morty tiny, what, tiny world. <laughs> right. So what would what would, its, what would its later evolutions look like? What would its equivalent of humanity with technology look like to us? Right. When the tadpole equivalent Plows our buildings over, unintentionally, just knocks them aside.
1: They they talked about its ability to mutate, and they kind of they they uh, teased a King Ghidorah appearance because he said <laughs> we could grow wings and fly, yeah. and then we get a sent we get a shot of its tail at the end. Very, very it's the last shot of the film, and frozen in time are these skeletal. Like echoes coming out of its tail, like grabbing for life, and it's like stuff is sloughed off this thing as it's walked through. Something survived, like asexual mm-hmm.
0: reproduction of this almost humanoid-looking. It reminds me of like a weird version of the alien. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah, the Prometheus a- yeah. type version mm-hmm. from when it was sort of there were a bunch of evolutions happening in it. Mm-hmm. You know.
4: <clears throat> uh, one of the things I thought of when you were mentioning about the, you know, the the amount of carnage that they showed and how, mm-hmm. you know, that Godzilla was like more like a force of nature. It wasn't, you know, kind of doing it to, to, to be a dick. It was just like, hey, I'm walking in a straight line. That's something I thought of too. Like, yeah, like whenever they would show the destruction, it's like a straight line. It's not like it's like, oh, well, there are people over here. All right, well, I'm gonna go here and mess this up. Oh, and there are more buildings of, you know, and um. You know the only other film I've seen that's like this is Cloverfield, and in that one you definitely get a sense of the monster as being more just like aware of its surroundings and like turning corners and walking through some buildings, knocking some small buildings down, but you know going around other buildings. Oh, here's a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and 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 that it is—it's angry. You know, and there's that one point. Like, I mean, the the film ends with kind of the monster looking down at this one guy and just like "fuck you" and going after him. You know, it's—it's not like. Oh, whatever, you're, you're an ant to me, I don't care, I'm going over here. Like, he was very much aware of what was around him and going after what was around him.
0: There's that shot after Godzilla has retreated back into the ocean for the Revolve. Mm-hmm. There are a couple shots of the map with the lines drawn where it went. And it's just from the coast, a straight line, and then a sort of drunken wander, and then a straight line back to the coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also that shot with googly eyed Zilla, when the attack choppers are lined up and the civilians show up, you know, hold your fire. It's a couple of people. It's a man carrying somebody across a. I think it's a train crossing. Yep. Yeah. Like right in front of the monster, right there. It just, it just ignores them. It doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it doesn't. It does, again, yeah. we're not. It's not not here for us. Right. Which provides a fear all its own. Mm. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Cloverfield, Tim, because the fear there is the. The, the being hunted. Mm-hmm. You know, the humanity as a whole is being hunted by a larger creature and we get some smaller hunting from mm-hmm. the, the subway, tiny creatures. Mm-hmm. But Godzilla, the fear is almost existential because it is so in our yeah. irrelevance Yeah, that just nature, admittedly influenced by humans and nuclear waste, that nature give a has just created you. this yeah. other creature and we are completely irrelevant to it. Yeah, That is where the horror comes from in this film, mm-hmm. where the fear the sense of hopeless despair comes not from the creature that can chase you through your dreams or teleport or will never stop. Like Terminator never stops. Mm It is a slow advance or, you know, Elm Street through the dreams Mm -hmm. or final destination that it'll get Mm -hmm. you somewhere in a combination you don't expect. That is not the fear. It's not supernatural. It's natural. (laughs) It's nature. Yeah. And we to fight against it, all we have is our minds we have humanity's great triumph of technology, invention, collaboration, that we've come together and made things greater than ourselves. You know, we've made computers and airplanes and mm-hmm. all this crazy technology that has elevated us beyond animals.
1: And hopefully it's enough. I mean, we, it has to be enough. It's when a bigger animal have. comes around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is a theme that comes up in that TV series, Evangelion, and the TV series... Draws on a lot of religious themes from literally pretty much every religion in the world that combines them together. But the theme there is that the, the giant monsters we're fighting. There's a line <coughs> at some point about, they who ate of the fruit of life, hmm. who exists to destroy us, who ate of the fruit of knowledge. But the juxtaposition is that those monsters are so much more powerful than humans. They have force fields, and they're much more durable, and they're really difficult to kill. Their advantage is natural, advantage is, is that of life. Mm-hmm. And ours is that of knowledge. And that comes up again here in Godzilla. Yeah. This is a creature of nature, of life, and mm-hmm. just life. Life happens, life evolves, life creates. Ah, look, new life, except that it's so much more powerful than us. It's right. going to kill us all. Knowledge. That is our power. And then Godzilla, in the name, there's the, the reference of gods and God and the power of God. The fruit of knowledge was our downfall from God in the mm-hmm. Christian Bible. Gotcha and that knowledge is the tool with which we fight against this new god <laughs> so was, I, just, I love all the interplay those themes <coughs> back and forth so. yeah. and even though there's really no mention of religion at all anywhere in this film right. yeah. the themes there are sort of inherent because they're inherent to humanity that idea of our knowledge is the fire we wield against mm-hmm. the darkness yeah
4: Prometheus yeah. bring mm-hmm. that into Exactly.
0: Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, yes, I've never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, Tim. Thank you.
4: Well, yeah. I've, I've, uh, and a lot of some of the stuff I've read, there's comparisons between Lucifer and Prometheus, mm-hmm. because the idea of bringing light, bringing fire, bringing knowledge, like that was sort of what you know the you sort of needed. <clears throat> it, it's it's interesting too when you you have this like this god figure that's being punished for doing this thing that it wasn't supposed to. But that thing is sort of what makes us us. Like you were saying, that knowledge, like yeah. you know, and it's 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 viewed in a lot of these texts as almost being not evil in and of itself, but something we weren't meant to have, mm-hmm. you know. And it's almost uh, you know, I, and it's almost one of those cautionary tales that the farther we go in our evolution, in our society, it's like shit. Maybe they were right, you know. Like mm-hmm. um, I remember one hearing one time someone say that we are the only species on this planet intelligent enough to
1: destroy ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> That <laughs> sounds very, uh, the Matrix. Yeah, very sort <laughs> of Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
4: but there's also, uh, uh, there's another thought I had with that too. Um, uh, shoot, give me a sec. It was when you were talking about the, yeah, like the different religions and the, uh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So the idea that, um, for, for a while I felt that a lot of times, um, you know, humans, uh, fight against evolution. Like, we, we believe that we are sort of the pinnacle of evolution. Anything kind of beyond us is an abomination. You know, you see this in the X-Men, you know, where the X-Men, the mutants, are the next stage in human evolution. They are better versions of us. But what do you get from humans? Like, they're, you know, the whole hatred and fear. And it's like, no, no, no. We can't allow this to happen. If, if we give them this power, that means we die out because they replace us. And there's almost a sense of that, too, I think, with Godzilla. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, this is this superior being mm-hmm. that came about through nature, yeah. and humans are like, oh, we're scared of it. Fuck no, we're going to use all of our intelligence, all of our knowledge, to try to tear it down and say, like, no, we will not let, you know. I mean, and, and that's different because that's not us evolving as a species. It's a whole new species, a whole mm-hmm. new apex predator but like the fact that we will use everything that we can to to stop the evolution, any sort of evolution on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: it, there's this interesting to, to jump off of that a bit that that power. There's power that comes from some greater power, whether that's a god in a religious story or whether it's nature mm-hmm. in a Godzilla story. There's this thing which is greater than us, mm-hmm. spiritual, religious, natural, or otherwise, that has has great power to create, say, Godzilla Mm. or to cast man out or to smite him or to throw lightning bolts from Mount Olympus or whatever Mm. but that that those greater powers have left us here at this point Mm. as humans but that we can elevate ourselves beyond it with our knowledge and Mm -hmm. our tools and we'll have to to survive Mm. because this other power again, whatever it is religious or otherwise is not something that can be controlled or necessarily understood, so we can't rely on it. We can't rely on it to, oh, hey, aliens haven't invaded, but hey, humans just evolved telepathy. Oh, perfect timing, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's we can't control it. Right.
1: We can't control it, whatever it is. So we can't rely on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We can't. Uh, we can't bank on biological adaptation mm-hmm. because it's a slow process. Mm-hmm. We're responding to the immediate threat <coughs> with our best ally which is our creativity we are our own best ally our minds Mm -hmm. that whether it is a god
0: that could choose or choose not to elevate us or a natural scientific process that doesn't care doesn't care and takes as long as it happens to take that we help we find our best success when we help ourselves Mm -hmm. we got self reliance mm -hmm. which is a Major theme from the film again, coming back to the political issues at hand and reliance not on old fashionedness or on this is how it is because it is, but reliance on ourselves wanting the task force. Mm -hmm. And yes, reliance on Japan to save Japan. Ooh, nah, we, ooh, yay, circular 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 themes. themes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, But I'm sorry, Tim, you were going to say something about. Before I popped up with Self-Alliance. Yeah.
4: No. Well, I mean, your thing was actually also relevant to the film we actually saw. Mine is kind of a tangent. It reminds mm-hmm. me of, uh, I think it was no in rules the... against tangents. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the Brian Azzarello uh, Luther comic book. I still need to read that. Um, and it may not be in this story, but it's this sort of thing where it kind of goes into detail about why Lex Luthor hates Superman... And it's basically because he blames Superman for okay, humans I'm not sorry, being making themselves better. When you
0: said Luther was actually the, the BBC TV series of Judas Elba, oh, and okay. I was so confused <laughs> for a moment before it all clicked. Oh, <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm L- sorry, Luthor. sorry, Tim. So Lex Luthor. <laughs> so, Lex Luthor. yeah, angry at Superman. Please. Yeah.
4: So, so his, his reasoning is, and I've, I've heard various versions of why he hates Superman. One was because he blamed him, like, oh, I'm so busy trying to take you down i could have cured cancer by now if i wasn't you know constantly trying to you know um you know defeat you but but yeah in this other version it was basically you know he's like it's it's kind of like the whole like you know give a man a fish versus teach him to fish and he's like with you here you're just giving everybody fish like nobody's learning to take care of themselves Mm -hmm. nobody's learning to be better no one is learning to be self-reliant because they can rely on Superman. Like, if you weren't here, the human race would be getting better, would be being better at taking care of itself, would be, you know, going over these, um, you know, overcoming these obstacles. But with you here, they don't have to. So they've gotten lazy, they've gotten, you know... That
0: is one of the best themes, I think, that we explore
4: in Superman stories.
0: That his protection sort of stunts our growth. Mm -hmm. But... I also want to point out that in Superman Red Sun... I knew that that's what you did. I knew you did. Eyes linked, just the lightning bolt (laughs) traveled. In Superman Red Sun, it's the opposite. Superman is the thing that drives Luthor to do all the great things he does. Mm -hmm. And he does eventually... I'm about to spoil Red Sun. Oh, don't
1: spoil it. Read Red Sun. No, you're right. Read Red Sun. Everybody should read Superman Red Sun.
0: But at the end, all of the... Really impressive, genius-level
1: things that Luther accomplishes is all because of Superman. Because
0: his obsession with Superman drove him to. Mm-hmm. So it's the complete opposite of that other one in which yeah. he's saying, "If you weren't here, I could have done all these great things." Yeah. Instead, it's I was driven to all
1: these things because of these. Mm-hmm.
0: Ooh, that is great. Because That's these two completely opposite.
1: That's the thi- I don't know if it is in the Christopher Reeve Superman movie, but uh, Jor El talks about. They're going to Superman's biological father. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're going to chase after you as an ideal and they're gonna stumble and they're gonna fall. But they're gonna be reaching towards this ideal. But what Superman in effects does is stunt the growth. I mean, like like you said, um, and there's a sense in the Luther comic that Superman's kind of mocking him, right? Just by his very existence is Mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter how much you accomplish, it doesn't matter how much you evolve, you're never gonna be this right, you're yeah. never going to be this to these people. Mm-hmm. That I really want to read that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, read that too. That is also one of the issues with a lot of the Superman towards evil worlds, mm. injustice or the Justice Lords or what have you. That he is just so far beyond what humanity could ever achieve. that He's just going to do it for them, take over. You know, I. Why don't you put the whole world in a bottle, Superman? <laughs> <laughs> and that is what he does, tries to do in
1: the Injustice. Is that what comics. Flash tells him? Flash tells him, "Why don't you just put him in a bottle?"
0: Uh, no, that's a quote from Red Son. Oh, okay, that,
1: you're right. But, um,
0: uh, but see, that's the thing, though, yeah. is that you don't know it. <laughs> yeah. um, that you know, Superman could just say, "Yeah, great, great example." Injustice. Flash and Superman have a great conversation in one of the earlier comics about via uh, playing speed chess, uh, while playing is chess at the speed of superpower. We could just take away all the guns, Superman says. We could do it. Just boom, done. You and me. You know, fastest creatures to ever exist. Done. What would it take us? A day? Maybe two? Boom. Every god on the planet, gone. You know? Oh, well, I mean, they'd hate us, but they'd be alive to hate us. But that's the sort of... Uh, instead of mocking, oh, you'll never be this, mm-hmm. it's a, oh, they'll never be this, so I can just operate with this kind of control and impunity. and... Direct their evolution. I can direct their future mm-hmm. in any way that I want. That's a great conversation they have in that. If you ever could get a chance to read it, it's really really good. The Flash, who Barry is is a forensic scientist, knows a few more of the on the street realities of crime. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a beautiful exchange. It's really good. But yeah, no, so, you so read if you have any interest in Superman, whether mm-hmm.
0: stunting the growth or driving it mm-hmm. or controlling it. All these are results of the, the presence of this creature that is just incomprehensibly beyond humanity's abilities. Yeah. All from Superman, in one interpretation or another. Mm-hmm.
1: It's funny to talk about Godzilla in conjunction with Superman, because yeah. you wouldn't think of them in the same category, but right. they are these... Did, God, did
0: Superman ever beat up a giant monster, giant lizard monster?
1: I'm sure, at some point. I'm sure yeah. there's a Superman Godzilla at some point. <laughs> yeah. somewhere. That would be a crossover.
0: Somewhere, whoever has read that comic is yelling at their computer <laughs> screen right <laughs> now. Oh, ah, you idiots!
1: <laughs> Haven't you
0: heard
4: of? Mm, we yeah. we
1: don't refute that we're idiots. <laughs> no. Leave, leave, leave <laughs> us a comment. I'd love to read that story, <laughs> yeah. please. Yeah. yeah. But in, uh,
4: one of the things you said too, when you're talking about like you know whether it's kind of stunting the growth, driving you for it, or or controlling you, um, I think like yeah, like. the the control is a part of it either way. Whether it's, you know, pushing you to grow, you're still doing it because of this thing. You know, it's not like, um, you know, you're doing it because you feel like it. Like, it is in direct response to this thing. Whether, you know, whether you're helping. So either way, like, there's an element of control Mm -hmm. from Superman or from Godzilla or whatever it is. Um, And, I mean, you know, and, and I guess it's kind of interesting in a way, too, and i feel like maybe humanity has been going through more of a cultural evolution as opposed to a biological evolution because mm-hmm. in this thing like they you know they in this film they did kind of have to evolve they did have to find a way to there was this this thing that was you know um you know a threat to their survival and they had to find a way to overcome it so it wasn't about like you were saying waiting for the slow biology to happen where they have Evolved naturally to something that also had laser breath and could beat Godzilla. Like they had to use their mind, but but they also did something that they had never done before, and would have only done that if it was for Godzilla. You know, they worked together. They kind of all had this common el- enemy, um, I, and I th- I feel like that's another big thing theme of this too is that like um, like the uh, uh, Twilight Zone episode. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's when, like, the aliens come and they're just, like... The monsters like, are
0: doing Maple Street.
4: Or the monsters on Maple Street, or... No, I know? think
0: it's a different one. Uh, like, sorry? I
4: know which one you're talking about, though, yeah. That's a really good one. But, like, these aliens come and they're like, you know, you humans with your, you know, pitiful weapons trying to destroy each other, blah, blah, blah. You're such a disgrace, we're just gonna wipe you out. And they're like, no, 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 give us a chance, give us 24 hours, you know, we can, we can fix it. And... They're like, you know, oh, and they achieve world peace because the whole time they were thinking the aliens were criticizing them for, like, being at war with each other. And the aliens come back the next day and they're like, look, we all work together and we achieve. And he's like, no, like, we were criticizing you. We were raising you to be a race of warriors. And, like, you're bullshit. You haven't evolved, like, you know, past this, oh, we have atomic weapons. And, you know, here are these aliens from a much more advanced society who have even greater weapons. And they're like, no, we're going to destroy you because you're not good enough at fighting, not that you couldn't achieve world peace, mm. but the fact that, like, they were able to achieve world peace once they had this unified threat where it was like, okay, here's a threat that's worse than all of us against each other. Now we can finally work together. And, you know, and, and you know, kind of like with Godzilla, it was like, okay, everyone was like, this is, you know, this is what we need to do. Like, you know, we can't bicker among, like, well, I want to do this and you want to do that. It's like, no, we all have to stop Godzilla. Like, that's the one thing we can agree on.
0: That brings us back nicely to the self-reliance issue because Japan is struggling for control over its own fate from bigger parties like the UN mm. and the US, but to solve the plan they come up with, they have this, this data sheet that they fold over to get genetic sequence that needs to be sequenced quickly. And one of the guys says something like, well, I sent it off to our supercomputers, but even at their fastest speed, it'll take you know a couple of weeks. So they, they ask other countries that supercomputer banks to network them together. And uh, there's a scene in Germany, recently mm-hmm. with the... Where it's funny that, you know, as much as Japan is struggling to be the master of its own fate, in some ways it can't do it alone. It just can't.
1: You know, it needs the other computers. Right. But and that, they need uh, France to come in just and just help it, with and the UN.
0: See, that's, that's the great, because certain parts of that, like the supercomputer issue, don't taint Japan's self-reliance because it's just too big for one country right. end of sentence and the country happens to be Japan is immaterial mm-hmm. you know if it had been Germany which is the, the country we see in the film they would have been asking Japan hey can we network to your supercomputer yeah. you know this is a great it's, it's, uh, it's, kind of you know, reaching the limits of technology and the necessity of human cooperation whereas the issue with France is we need someone who can delay the nuclear strike and that power has already been taken from them right mm-hmm so they have no choice but to go to someone else. That is a... You know, it's less of a, oh, the beauty of human cooperation and the need for it, than it is a, you know, the political match has left Japan not in control of its own fate. They need France to step in. Sure. But, but yeah, I just I want to point out that certain things that take away from self-reliance, like the supercomputer issue... They don't take away from self-reliance Despite, you know, me and other people mm-hmm. they Sort of, you yeah. know I don't know, I'm stumbling over my, my sentence here but yeah. I, I can see on your faces that you guys have got the point I'm just I hope you are in too no we I'm can sorry, see your be, faces yeah. too, <laughs> you be nice. me too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I was going to say in, in the American version of a film like this there's always one asshole right. that is holding something up because of personal reasons mm-hmm. or vendetta or money or those kinds of things and we have a brief glimpse of that when they go to Germany to try and get help because <laughs> the one guy says we have two too, m- too yeah, someone much someone approaches a table
0: with two important makers at right. it and, and one of them say, says uh, Japan
1: wants us to network our computers well we can't do that because we've got too much uh, sensitive material that if it gets out it's not going to be good yeah we're going to steal all our data and then and the sweetest German old people. lady in all <laughs> of film says no that's ridiculous of course we're going to help them. where's your faith in your fellow man she says to him and it's it's perfect and it was, it was just a great kind of response to what American films are there's always some asshole who's out for himself <laughs> yeah who, who doesn't care about the greater implications of his selfish, greedy, bullshit thing to hold up this. Because it, it's always some political machination, mm-hmm. or he wants this thing for himself, and it holds up. And that's a plot point. That ends up being something that delays the final set piece. We didn't have that in this, and that was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but
0: they, they set it aside. That it sort <clears throat> of comes up with the U.S.-Japan issue. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of lines about the U.S. making unilateral requests and that's fair, taking yeah. the spare Godzilla data and whatnot. And then our U.S. character, the. Uh, I don't know what her exact role is assistant to the ambassador or something like that.
1: Something but like that.
0: But she. You know, she takes the sections of the government that she has control over and sets that sort of thing aside for the promise of future cooperation.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's all. You know, not really for a. Not for a promise of oh we're going to be you're going to owe me later, but just for an issue of we do so much more when we all cooperate. You got to give a little to get a little. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, the assholes have been steamrolled (laughs) already. So when it comes up again in Germany, it's just a sort of side note of we've seen this before, but we can be so much more. The unilateral decision making—I shouldn't say unilateral. I should say the foreign decision making starts with the B two bombings <laughs> and the atomic breath. So you mentioned big. the scene where the, the U S. people stand up and walk out of the room just when just the Japanese forces have military has failed. Mm-hmm. Is that what happens next? Is the Japanese government is suddenly informed that oh yeah, by the way, we're going to bomb it? They've been on
1: their way. They, they were, were already, already, in, already
0: in the air, and so you know, publicly Japan announces ah we have asked the U S. for help because they have greater military power. Oh, okay, and that all happens before the bombs drop. So publicly, it looks like Japan asked. But Japan didn't ask. No kidding. The U.S. just said, Yeah, you see this this <laughs> big circle on your map? It's going to yeah. blow up.
1: You get something that needs bombing. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're here. We're good at that. <laughs> Done. <laughs> you yeah. uh, know. Speaking of the combat, I, I had written down in my notes, mm-hmm. um, tanks, sexy movement. Ooh, yeah. When they show up, in, in the first sequence where they're going to attack Godzilla with tanks, oh, the way those tanks—it's it, just great choreography and the the yeah—they're all, all lined
0: up facing the same direction and their turrets turn all in perfect unison.
1: It was it was really precise and really sexy and I I, I don't feel any shame about admitting <laughs> that. No, it's beautiful. It's There's
0: a, a scene a shot later where when the tanks all start to pull back. Yes. Where they have a camera attached to one of the turrets and the whole body rotates under the yes, tank that, Like yeah, yeah, almost really cool. three quarters of a turn and then boom, it starts moving mm-hmm. and it's beautiful to watch. I have to check the scene again, but I almost think they could have done the same thing if the body just turns the other direction a quarter turn mm-hmm. but because it looked cool, they turned it <laughs> three quarters the other way. But I'm you know what? I don't even care! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. It just looks good. It is a great illustration of the military power that our modern nations hold. Mm. because Godzilla is bigger as big as the biggest skyscrapers and all the tanks got together and managed to cover both her legs in just fire when all the shells are going off you just can't see her legs anymore because it's just explosions which you know is a great contrast of all the, oh, the big imposing monster against the power we can bring but on the other hand Godzilla is bigger than our skyscrapers that would have been an entire building and it would have been one salvo and it would have just, whoosh, no more building. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I talk to have this tendency in the U.S. to think of Japan as a not terribly powerful military. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't compare anyone to the U.S. military. It's not really fair. You know, As they say, the, the largest air force in the world is the U.S. Air Force, and the second largest is the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how... how I don't, I, 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 that might not be 100%... Number order true, but it's close. Yeah, is the yeah, thing? It, it is at least close to true, if not mm-hmm. actually true. That's not yeah. a joke. Right. I mean, it's a joke, but it's not. A, it's also not a joke. Yeah. So you can't really compare anyone to us. That's not really fair. So, so taking that into account, yeah, Japan's a fucking powerful military. Yeah, it really is. You know, we built them in, into the country they are today, and they, took, and they are not one to be trifled with. Mm-hmm. So when you. People I've spoken to push past that. Oh, you know, re- you readjusted their expectations of a military force. God, it's just, it's unbelievable. The tanks are all lined up. And I see some other vehicles, I want to say tank destroyers, that, that are wheeled instead of tracked. Mm-hmm. they cannons on the top. Yeah. You see a few of those. So all of those are lined up. The actual howitzers are lined up some miles back. And then rocket artillery yeah. past that. And while all that is happening, the F 2s are sweeping in to drop their bombs, and the choppers are gone only
1: because they're out of ammo. Right.
0: I mean, it's just its unbelievable. It's it was
1: mind-boggling. It was really interesting to see Helicopter versus Godzilla, where they were far enough away to not be impacted by swiping and tail whipping. Yeah. Not that it helped them, because he can. Do things at his dorsal fins. It's weird that he has dorsal fins, but that's mm-hmm. what they are. Like, it, it, it was it was really interesting from a tactical it's standpoint. Sort of big dorsal scales. Yeah, because yeah. they they backed up and just fired at the thing, and they shot him in the head for once instead yeah. of just shoulders and back. Mm-hmm. And There's silence. none
0: of that ridiculous goofy military oh I mean, dumb dumb shit. No, it's right. just very serious. Line up all the choppers, unload your machine guns and your cannons, and aim for the eyes. They do.
1: And that's something, like, with the 98 Godzilla, it's a lot of fun to watch helicopters swoop in and out between <laughs> uh, um, skyscrapers and, like, search for Godzilla, but ineffective yeah. and, I mean, utterly disastrous. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. no, it was just nice to watch a competent military force oh, yeah. go up against... I, I think that might have contributed to the hopelessness of it, is that it yeah. was so well-crafted and tactical... You almost have this moment
0: of, wow, the military could level this city faster than Godzilla's doing it, if they wanted to, without nukes. They could just, all that firepower. Yeah, Yeah. Godzilla hasn't leveled it because it's just, you know, like I said, it's a creature, it's not intending to. Mm -hmm. But if we were trying, we could do it pretty damn quickly. It's, uh, it's scary.
1: So... Scott, had you seen other Godzilla films? Yeah, I heard you saw Twenty Fourteen, so, yeah, which is 2014, the Cranston, Bryan one. Bryan Cranston right? It's okay. funny that we refer to it as the I Cranston call it one the Brian Cranston and Godzilla, I just um
0: I saw the Broderick one once upon a time. Okay. I you know, I mean I have the general memories associated with it, the swiping and the sort of goofy aspects. But I don't have it very firmly set in my memory. Gotcha. And I haven't ever actually seen an entire old Godzilla oh, wow. in one sitting. I've I've seen not even I don't think I've ever seen the original actually. But I've seen one of the
1: We're stopping the podcast. Uh, put it on. <laughs> one of the ones
0: that was just Godzilla. None of the Godzilla and other monsters, right. but just a rubber suit Godzilla. I saw most of it in one sitting in a class somewhere. Okay. Not even not in college, one of my film classes, just I think it's school. To put it on one of those movie days. Nice. And I think we finished it later that year. I can, like, I can picture it. I can see in my mind. Oh yeah, I remember doing this, but it really hasn't lasted. I think for practical purposes, we'll have to say no. I haven't seen. I haven't. I can't reliably tell you anything about anything before 2014 Godzilla. Gotcha.
1: So my first Godzilla film was '98, mm-hmm. and the marketing for that film hit me like right where i live cuz it was taco bell <laughs> 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 size does matter it was the chihuahua dog and then oh godzilla oh
0: my god my dad has a hat from that production that's a baseball hat from that godzilla production that's somewhere amazing. i need to get up for you really i, I, I live in in california <laughs> i think that would be, be
1: amazing <laughs> <it>. so <like laughs> i'm he, sorry i just you
0: said size <laughs> doesn't matter i remember it's on the hat and it all just everything came together like. So,
1: like, it, it hit me very much where I live. It's it's the first monster movie I saw in a theater. I saw it with all my cousins, and we were all, like, 10, 11, 12. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess I was 8. But <laughs> we were that young age, and I came out of that theater just as excited as I could be. I had the toys. I actually had a, a, a Godzilla toy where he had a handle on the back with two triggers and then two buttons on it. And it, one, he would swipe... Another, he would open his mouth and roar. The other one, he would pick up his foot and smash stuff. It was really, really cool. Mm -hmm. To this day, I still love that movie. It has a bunch of problems, but it's a lot of fun to watch because it's terrible. Um, After that, that was kind of the the genesis of my fandom. And then I started slowly collecting the movies. Um, I've seen one, two, and three... I've seen most of the ones that I have, um, but not. I kind of got. I've gotten. In preparation for this podcast, I I watched um, Godzilla vs. Mothra again. That's. (laughs) Before we watched this one, that was my favorite. It's now my second favorite. Um, Oh, wow. (laughs) Then I watched uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, which is the second appearance of Mechagodzilla. Um, The film following that I watched, and then um, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, which is the third film in the rebooted Toho series, and I haven't watched...
0: So this Shin Godzilla is the second time or third time Toho is rebooted?
1: I don't know if I can speak with any authority about that. I think Mm -hmm. it may be the third... Godzilla Toho's third f- reboot of the franchise okay. yes. Yeah. because mm-hmm. Godzilla 2000 was still in continuity with the second reboot which came out in the 90s 91 I believe um, but so I, I have a lot of experience with Rubber Suit Godzilla and there's there's a certain stage in the original Toho f- franchise where he moves from Godzilla the Destroyer to Godzilla Defender of the Earth and that's, a, that's really fun because he interacts with the monsters that he usually fights against in a different way. You're going to get him and Rodan having a relationship. And then Mothra coming in and them kind of being allies against these bigger threats. Um, and then it, it kind of goes really goofy. There's one that I really don't like. That's think uh, it's M- Godzilla on Monster Island where it's all in the imagination of this kid. And it's he it, um, has this concept of a kaiju that's based on a bully that he has. It's very silly. I don't like it at all. <laughs> that kind of killed that that era of the Defender of the Earth for me. Um, but there's some really good Ibra uh, King of the Deep or the Sea Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. I really like that one. Um, Hidora, the Smog Monster, I really like that one too. And that has a weird kind of evolutionary transition monster. So that that was something that this one reminded me of. Um, Godzilla Raids Again is really good. Also, um, any any time when space and time travel and aliens and then tiny little uh, um, twins who sing to Mothra enter into the franchise, it's a lot of fun. There's a whole history. It's 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 a very unique animal, and there's, I mean, over 29, 31 films. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on, but having having seen a lot of them, this one was without a doubt my favorite.
4: Mm, wow, that, wow, that's yeah. a
0: serious sentence right there. <laughs> I'm delighted. I'm always. I'm. Oh man, I got to bring Joel his new favorite. That's a it was good. Made someone happy. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I, I just wanted to bring another note I had put down. Was yeah, this guy? Is. This director is basically Japanese Wes Anderson, with oh. the symmetry of every shot and the choreography oh. of things. Oh. I was just like, it is really pleasing <laughs> to watch all of these conference rooms because they're so pristine and <laughs> Which <laughs> ordered. Which is something
0: else that was sort of very Japanese about it. Yeah. there was this neatness to all the rooms yeah. and the cleanliness mm-hmm. and the part where they line up all the coffee machine. Coffee, copy machines. Yeah. Saw your, your coffee cups and coffee yeah. instead of coffee. All the copy machines against the wall and the desks and the chairs and laptops and, and they, they just produced a situation room out of nothing, you know. That's
1: why I'd love
4: Beautiful. living in Japan. <laughs> just <laughs> like just like the just OCD <laughs> of me would just be like, yes, man, everything's perfectly lined up as it should be. It's <laughs> <You laughs> Walk odd.
0: into a building somewhere and fix something by a half centimeter and they say, you need a job?
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he a new PM. <laughs> 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 what do you
1: know about agriculture? <laughs> are, are you old and no agriculture? Because you could be the PM save the world. So <laughs> yeah. you don't like Wes Anderson, right? It's odd for somebody who likes symmetry as much as you do not to like. Well, I, he's quirky, and that's all of the conversation. But yeah, um, I, I haven't seen a lot of it. I saw,
4: like, I saw Rushmore. It was fine. And I think I saw Royal Tannenbaums, and I was like, "What you is didn't this?" Didn't like that one. Yeah. that's right we've had this conversation out for yeah um, and I, I mean I'd be willing to try like and that was sort of the thing is I kind of came upon that on my own and it was like um, <laughs> when I was at Blockbuster yes that was the, <laughs> there it is we made it there it is
1: hour 27 well yeah. done it took a while this time but we <laughs> did it
4: yeah uh, that was I think around when Rushmore had come out I think so like yeah two thousand. 2001, 2002 ish, somewhere mm-hmm. in there maybe. Anyway, um, so like, you know, it was one of the, the, the hot movie releases. So I saw it and I was like, okay. And, you know, a lot of the people I was friends with at that time, you know, w- we were into a lot of the, you know, these these up and coming filmmakers, you know, who were like kind of these indie filmmakers who actually had budgets, you know, like Darren Aronofsky and Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. you know, Pi and, and Rec Room for Dream and Memento. Like, all those films were kind of, all, I feel like, coming around. Uh, coming out around that time, like the early 2000s, um, uh, Cohen Brothers, that was another, you know, that was, I think, when I was trying to get into them, uh, um, uh, Oh, Brother, Were Art Though was the film <laughs> that came out around mm-hmm. that time. Yes. Have you seen that, Joel? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. That's, that's I, another one I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's fair. Um, so, yeah, so, so it was kind of like, oh, these are all the, you know, everyone who kind of fancies themselves you know, someone who likes film as opposed to someone who likes movies, <laughs> you know, those are the type of things you watch. And I just remember being like, uh, like, okay, I don't get it. Like, I don't get why, um, and I, I didn't hate it necessarily, but it was just like, not not really as worth my time. Like, I didn't really see why I should pursue it and watch more and more. However, if you know, if there are, if there's someone who loves it and is like, oh, you should watch this one. Yeah. Like, you talked to me about uh, the... Um, Zisu. Zisu. Yeah. So, like, I would watch that and be like, okay, I'll give this a shot. If you love this, maybe there's something I'm missing, you know. And I'll basket you for you. Know, you. Yeah, yeah. I'll free laugh at all the Yeah, jokes. exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and again, I'm at that point in my life now where I'm just like, you know, maybe all the things I don't like is because I'm missing something, not that it's a flaw in the thing because I don't know anything. <laughs> so, so sure, like, tell me, you know, teach me how to like this thing. That's fine.
2: And on the
0: other hand, there's, as, as we age, there's also a greater acceptance knowing that we don't have to like or dislike everything. Right. right. Then Things then are just Maybe it's just because, oh, yeah. maybe I'll see this in a new light and then I'll like it. Yeah. But then, you know, maybe I'll just, oh well, just not for me. Yeah. I'll find something else I do like. Right, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You sort of brought us back to, especially with your mention of film people and movie people. <laughs> right. To <laughs> the discussion we had earlier tonight. We toasted. Uh, this is shortly after our our... Intro episode was posted online, Woo-hoo! so we came there to, to celebrate the first posting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some scotch, and was delicious. I asked him, I said, well, not We have a little, you know, little bit of education. I said, Do you know the correct way to drink scotch? And he started telling me about this thing his friend said about all the weird stuff you have to do, and I don't know any way you want which actually I was told by a representative of the McCowan Company once. So <laughs> anyone who thinks that's not official can shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> but Confirmed. Um, uh, it, that's that it is with everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, how do you take your coffee? Well, take it black because I'm a man. Take it how you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, how do you drink your scum? Take it how you like it. Well, mm-hmm. what kinds of films do you like? I like the films that I enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether they're good films or bad films or cheesy or crazy, it doesn't matter. That's if what this I podcast is it, about. If you enjoyed sure a it. film great, it's a good film. Then for you, it's a good film, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, I've been having a similar experience with John, mm-hmm. a website John, with a lot of 80s movies where I just had no interest or didn't bother and he'll tell me about them one day at work. Oh, man, i got to rave about this and the things that he had and the childhood memories and all oh, huh, well, I'll go watch it. And with that new perspective, mm-hmm. maybe I'll like it more. Mm-hmm. Maybe I won't. Some of them I have, some of them I haven't. But like what you just mentioned about zizu or the, that thing you're trying about finding someone who likes it mm-hmm. and then going and watching it after their right it's just it's great it's yeah. a great thing mm-hmm. it brings a lot more joy you yeah. know it it internet you know, especially it fosters so much negativity yeah. about these things that you have to fall on one side or the other I'm defending my movie against all the haters or oh man it was so terrible you know and yeah you just you don't you don't have to fall into a camp you know
4: yeah i feel like yeah like a lot of times there are people who if they if they've decided that they hate something they're they're unwilling to be proven wrong you know even if it means that they could actually get more enjoyment out of something and therefore out of life in general it's like no the fact that i've decided i hate this means i can't be proven wrong and and you know and, and that's sort of the thing for me too is like like I'm not gonna go out and try to watch all of Wes Anderson's films to try to force myself to like it. No, yeah. You know, but but I'm also not gonna like fight against it if someone's like, Well, hey, I think you know, from what yeah. I know about you you might really like this, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, No, I, I can't because I've made that promise that I'm gonna hate all of Wes Anderson's <laughs> films and I can't be proven wrong. Right. You know, it's like yeah. sure sure, like if I'm gonna enjoy a two hour film, like yeah, yeah, let's do it. It's and, those prior experiences
0: act as a sort of vague roadmap mm-hmm. that, you know, if you have a bunch of movies to see in a theater and one of them is a Wes Anderson movie You're probably going to see another one Right Yeah But they're a roadmap that we are willing to deviate from mm. You know If we are being mm. mature and open to new experiences and such As, as you are, as mm-hmm. you just mentioned And that then if you're at the theater with a friend You're going, what should we see tonight? And your friend goes Ooh, Wes Anderson, can we see that? And you go, yeah Yeah. Because you think, you know what, why not? Let's give it, we'll see Right. Yeah. Ah, this time, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's it's... It's just nice. So much of this is just choosing to be happier
4: about Mm -hmm. so many things. Yeah. And, I mean, that's how it is with music, too. Like, you know, being a a composer, you know, it's like you you think about all the music you should be studying. And I should probably be listening to way more Bach and Mozart and Beethoven. And and it's just kind of like, you know, like I I do that when I'm in school because it's like this is the stuff you should listen to to Mm -hmm. learn. But it's like there's so much by, like, George Crum and Penderecki that I haven't listened to You know, who, you know... I mean, George Crumb is still my favorite. Penderecki is such a close second. Like, he's... They're almost tied. But, like, there's so much stuff by them that I haven't heard. And, like, everything I hear, I just... I I love it, and I'm so engaged. And, and, you know, and that's sort of more the experience I try to seek out, is, like, things that really, like, energize me. Not, like... Oh yes, yes. I see what he did there, and I should, I should, you know, I should follow that and do that, and you know, and if I can, if I can become a master of this piece, then I can show off all my knowledge of all these classical composers. About you know, w- when I am talking with other people, and you know, you are trying to like have this pissing contest of who knows more about what, you know, and it's just like I, I want to know more about the things I am interested in, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, uh, you know, again, I am open to like, hey, here is this other thing you might not have thought of, you know, and, and it's like, okay, cool, like mm-hmm. that actually just
0: happened with with you, Joel, not too long ago, when we spent that night, we watched a couple of movies, and then we listened to music. Mm-hmm. We started... You know, our musical tastes intersect in a lot of places. A lot they of intersected places. Intersected with uh, Maynard Ferguson. Yes, oh my Christmas. god. So later, you know, when you walked me through the full roadmap of, of Aerosmith, <laughs> their whole career... I'm sorry, that <laughs> no, was a no. long Aerosmith trip. Aerosmith is a band I haven't really given a lot of thought to. In fact, that their quote-unquote sound, you know, the overarching <laughs> sort of thing is something I've given a lot of... I've <laughs> dove too deeply. <decades. laughs> you know? Um, just that, that chunk of time and that that trend that made that they got famous on wasn't something I paid a whole lot of attention to. I kind of, I bought the Greatest City, and I went, oh, okay, it's fine, and it's in my random classical rock rotation. Right. But, you know, we just had that beautiful click of, oh, yes, Merritt Ferguson, so I thought, he's going to show me something that I haven't seen before. And you did, you really did.
1: You did the same thing with Metric, though. Metric was was fun.
0: So that you know, if it weren't for Joel, I might have spent the rest of my life just sort of shrugging at Aerosmith. And you know, as we said about, if you don't like something, then oh well, you go for something you do like. Whatever. come you know, not that I would have fought against their fans or anything, <laughs> drastic, but just that, yeah, we had we had the exact experience we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I love. He's gonna he's gonna show me something did. Mm -hmm. Some of that middle stuff really just really clicked in a way that their greatest hits don't for me. Yeah. You know? There's a lot of deep
1: cuts in Aerosmith's (laughs) discography. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother. Okay. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, music mom. Yeah, <laughs> music mom. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the least, least creative <laughs> <name>. TM. <Yeah. laughs> Copyright that right now. When we were talking about the the, the distinction between film oh. and movies, I thought it would be funny. There's. A uh, parallel universe with a pretentious version of this podcast <laughs> called Film Filibuster. <laughs> 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 oh man. Uh, Maybe we should throw that in. Like, we'll just do a really snooty asshole, pretentious version. Oh, one time. some Foley effects going on, <laughs> and <laughs> glasses and mm-hmm. such. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, fancy. <color>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: why, why oh yes, thank you. But what are you doing? What's from a <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Film filibuster
1: beautiful (laughs) Um, so as we're coming into the the end, did anybody else have any other notes or things they wanted to talk about I imagine Mm, we'll get to stuff in the recap too there's a lot to talk about about. Um, did anybody have a situational movie recommendation Tim do you have one (coughs) no at Uh, some point I need to find a more uh, succinct way of saying situational movie recommendation (laughs) How many freaking syllables it's is great. that? It's not really, a recommendation? <laughs> I mean, the name of the podcast is just a
0: normal. question of. Uh, I have two here, not entirely dissimilar. Let's do both of them. Well, we'll start with one
4: double double-stuffed episode. Save one for next time. Yeah, in case no, you don't I'll think of one. Or I'll <laughs> steal it if I can't. Sure. <laughs> sure. right okay,
0: so arbitrarily, which film did you do a complete 180 on? You started off hating it and now you love it, or vice versa.
1: You once loved it, and now you can't stand it. <laughs> that is a Ooh, good one. Shit. <clears throat> oh, man. Scott, do you have one in mind?
3: Um... Yeah, <laughs> I do. Here I it goes. There we go.
0: I have, I have a couple. I've actually lost the title of the one at the moment. I'm digging through my mind for it. And the other one you're all going to be mad at me for mentioning because it's The Matrix. <laughs> um, and I don't think The Matrix quite, quite warrants a complete 180. It wasn't okay. that severe. But it went from me watching it first time going, oh, wow, it was not nearly as good as everyone said it would be. Would have think I was a victim of hype as much as anything else. To later going, oh, no, yeah, this is actually a really great action movie. To me now going, no, I kind of don't care anymore. <laughs> I've gone all the way around. Gotcha. Full, <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in the Full middle. So That's like a cool. 360. <laughs> so um, I'll try to think up the other film. Okay. I can picture it. I can't. I can't judge up the title. Uh,
1: yeah, this I know a good one. A I can No, I uh, I'm sorry. I'm sure there are ones.
4: Well, especially, like, you know, the idea of, like, doing a 180, like, it's hard to picture something that...
0: Maybe not so sudden. Yeah. You know, <clears> just well, that you've... Yeah, and I guess that's
4: part of it is like either if I love it and I'm watching it over and over again I mean, there, there are definitely films that I've kind of yeah, I guess like oh, I don't need to see that as many times anymore but I don't know that I dislike it or if, if there's a film I don't like I don't know that I would watch it over and over again to try to
1: force myself to right. like it. Because um, we kind of talked about that last episode was a, a film that you keep trying to get right? It was yeah. The Bourne Legacy the okay. Oh, okay. Oh, the, okay.
0: The one with... Renner. Renner, thank you. Jeremy Renner. Mm-hmm. Who I, I, I like a lot as an actor. I went to see that in the theater with my dad, and we both came out. As much as I tried to keep my expectations down, it didn't work. And so I came out disappointed. Mm-hmm. Just with, uh, whatever. He sort of looked at me, and just we shrugged and went bitter. <laughs> <And laughs> I, I just well. But then later, and before Jason Bourne came out, the most recent yeah, album, before fine. that, yeah. I rewatched it again, I think on TV. I was at home for something and just on TV and they were playing it. One of those, they were playing all four films in the series, just back to back to back repeatedly. I just, I saw more. I noticed more. And I noticed the broader impl- the implications for a broader world that they were setting up in that film. Gotcha. And I went, Oh my god, this film was a little lackluster because it's a foundation. Right. And the things they could build, oh my god. And I just, I, I just, it, I saw, I understood, you know, and I went, oh. And actually, then when they announced Jason Bourne, they were like, oh, we're bringing back Matt Damon. I went, no. <laughs> like, you just covered up your perfectly beautiful foundation and said, fuck it, we're going back to the old building. See, it's kind of fallen down from neglect. Like, we'll, we'll prop it up again. <laughs> you know, and yeah that was it that was the one I really turned around on ah, just clicked. I just finally saw like the main plot was a little little repetitive a little here and there because they were throwing in these little details and little bits that were just little uh, the roots the sprouts of many branches mm. and I thought holy crow you could do a TV show based on this one at the same time as you make a film trilogy based on this one and have them interlock and I mean I just it was beautifully done but I really didn't appreciate it at the time. Gotcha.
4: Maybe for me it's uh, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Ooh. I think just because I saw it when I was so young, uh, you know, for the first time, and it's like, um, and I remember, you know, kind of my, my mother kind of shedding some light on this, where she was talking about how, um, you know, like, you watch Star Wars, and space is so loud and exciting and there's lasers, mm. and, and everything's like, you know, spaceships are flying, and then you watch 2001, and there's just, like, this giant space station just slowly spinning in space, mm. and you're like, the fuck, we're the lasers, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and just, like, you know, so much of it is so, so slow moving, and, 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 and so silent, and this weird, uncomfortable, like, peacefulness, um, And, of course, the ending is, like, super confusing. Um, And then, you know, like, as I got older and, like, watched it again, it was just like, oh, like, you know, and, and, you know, having the internet and sort of digging into, like, what are some fan theories about this? And, oh, wow, this is really cool. And what does the obelisk represent? And why, you know, what is this? What's the deal with this? And, oh, okay, that's what, and, you know, and kind of the more you dig into it, the more you're just like, yeah, like, there's so many, like, really cool things here and really cool connections to other things. And, like, um or, or even, like, uh, I think it was when I was actually at Lamont, at DU, when they were talking about um, the, the, you know, the Bicycle Built for Two, the Daisy, that song, mm-hmm. that um, that Hal, like, is singing. Like, that was a reference to uh, someone had, like, programmed, it was the first person to program, like, a, a machine to, to sing, to be able to, like, produce pitches and words, and, like, that was the song that it sang. So Hal singing that is like a reference to that where, you know, it was sort of a um, uh, this moment of bringing a very kind of human thing to a machine like singing, you know, both changing the notes and the words, and that was sort of like you know Hal's kind of like swan song, um, you know, because that's kind of what Hal represented. And, um, oh, another really cool, the cool fun fact is um, the idea that. Uh, You know, the obelisk people, I guess, you know, the the probably more common thing is that it kind of shows up when there's about to be, like, a huge shift in human consciousness Mm -hmm. and whatever. So, in the middle of that film, there's an intermission, and the screen goes black. And the theory is that that screen is the obelisk. That it is a shift of consciousness that's happening for the people who are watching that film. Um, so that was definitely what, yeah, the more I dug into it, I was just like, okay, I get this. Like, I get why it's so slow. It's it's not meant to be Star Wars. It's But, you know, and, and to, to appreciate all those things and, and how long it is and how drawn-out stuff is and how it's meant to be, you know, a very real
1: portrayal of space and, and things like that. Um, so That's yeah. one I need to try again. I, I've tried that movie three separate occasions and I can't make it through yet. And I, I feel like as a sci-fi fan... And a fan of film, I owe it to that movie to try and watch it. Mm-hmm. I just I keep stalling that. I don't know if I'm trying to do it too late in the day or what. The, it, it is very slow, mm-hmm. and I, I need you know, to like give it.
0: Kubrick's films all stand separately for me, distinctly. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I love *Strangelove*. Oh man, oh, man. I really love that film. 2001: uh, A Space Odyssey. I enjoyed, but then. The Shining, I I like well enough, but it's something that just doesn't quite hit my personal tastes. I think we might have talked about this last episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then The Clockwork Orange, I kind of just don't care. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I watched it and it was good, and I wasn't. It just. I have so much trouble bringing myself to care about what's happening to those people. Which you know, it's those are people list those four films as oh man, Kubrick's awesome <laughs> films, and mm-hmm. and sure there are. Production similarities and, um, what's the word I want? Not thematic, sort of tonal, I guess, similarities. (laughs) But for whatever reason, they're all so very distinct for me in terms of how much I like them and why. Mm So, so I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you won't end up ever really liking 2001, but But I would say to then, from my own experience, keep exploring Kubrick's other films. That's right. Because so
4: far for me, they've proven to all provide Mm very good. Eyes Wide Shut is really cool too. I mean, aside from the whole like orgy part of it, like <laughs> like the structure of the film and how uh, you know Kubrick usually I feel like deals with these very big concepts. Mm-hmm. So to then have a film that features on like a husband and wife and jealousy, mm-hmm. you know, and how like that like spirals and snowballs and sort of breeds this whole thing on this you know not not massive scale, but it definitely dips into this bigger scale. um and, and, you know, the way music is used in that is, is incredible, and, like, you know, the, there's just so many things that are, like, creepy, and just, like, what the hell is going on? And, you know, these seemingly random things that you're, like, is there significance to that? You know, like, should I look into that? Like, what, what, what is the deal with that person? Why, why does this, like, shop owner have this, like, younger, is that his daughter, is that his, like, younger, like, what's going on? You know, there are just so many, like, little things. But, like, it's – I think it's a lot more palatable because it's on a very sort of personal level. Like, you're not dealing with something like, yeah, The Shining or 2001 where it's, like, these giant concepts where if you're not automatically invested, you're just kind of, like, okay, why should I care about this? And it's, like, you know, you can kind of get it very easily. And they, I think they kind of – he's able to, like, coax you onto that journey because, like, oh, here's a – here's a, you know uh, – Here's an emotion I'm sure you felt at one point in your life, you know, your significant other tells you a story about how you know she saw some guy she was attracted to and thought about leaving you, but she didn't. But now you're like, well, I'm going to go cheat on my wife. You know, that's the that's sort of like logical, <laughs> illogical sort of extrapolation of that, you know. And but then the journey that he goes on as a result of that is just like incredible, and you know.
0: And then fitting right into the middle for me is Full Metal Jacket, which I think is one. Unbelievable triumph of filmmaking stitched to one really mediocre, boring, just kind of terrible thing on the other side. Hmm. The first time I watched that, and I love the whole fancy sequence up through Pyle, but the whole once we arrive in country, yeah, I remember the first time I watched that, I said to myself, why did I finish this? Mm-hmm. I've I mean, only seen... With Pyle? Yeah. And I've rewatched it a number of times since then, and I now no longer watch after Pyle. I yeah. just
4: don't bother. I've only seen it once all the way through, but I've seen <laughs> the opening, like, four times. Oh, yeah. I mean, that
0: whole yeah. first... Because it is split very distinctly, the yeah. two stories, yeah, training
4: true. and post-training.
0: I think training, is it's a cinematic triumph. Oh, my God. So I think that actually, that beautifully captures what I was just saying about the other films. It's the whole film. Full of all decades. Half and half, films.
1: Gotcha. That's so, one I haven't seen, yeah. either.
0: So, so anyway, uh, Joel, you have yet to provide us <sighs> with your,
1: your turnaround. This one's... It's rough, yeah. and I feel like the the two that came to mind uh, rather laboriously are kind of more situational than anything else. Um, yeah. My first impression of Blade Runner wasn't great, but that was because the first time I watched it was on a road trip on a screen about seven seven inches Ugh. big, and like, the the whole effect of the end sequence was diminished by the fact that there was sunlight streaming in from the yeah. windows. It and, is a uh, very visual film. So, watching that, I was like, okay, it's just a film, it's fine. And then I saw it sitting on a couch, watching it on a screen, and I was like, this is outstanding. <laughs> and I could probably do without seeing any other movies ever again. Like, mm-hmm. this, this is okay. If this was all I had to watch, I'd be all right. And then having read, um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Afterwards, and kind of having and then that watching it again after you read the, the book, mm-hmm. and, yeah, that one opened up quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. As a kid, I really enjoyed the Phantom.
0: Oh, so you're starring Billy the Zane, only one who has a negative turnaround.
1: So good.
0: I was hop- hoping yeah. they wouldn't all have positive. And
1: turnaround. This is a blockbuster-related story. Yeah. <laughs> every opportunity that I could I rented that from Blockbuster and I watched it over and over and over and over again I had the experience of renting it I, I don't even think I, I bought a VHS copy of it and it was cool because it had the uh, holographic cover where this oh, yeah. ring is mm-hmm. coming out at you and I didn't finish it I got huh. I mean I think it's only it's not two hours long like it's pretty short mm-hmm. and and it's just comically bad, and I couldn't finish it. And it was really kind of soul-crushing for this, this like staple of my childhood, and I watched it. I was just like, this is poor man's Batman, and it, it, with none of the cool things about Batman. And I, he had skull rings. That was about his, the coolest thing. That I mean, he had guns, too, and skulls that lit up and melted people's faces. But other than that, there wasn't a lot going on. Another positive one turnaround would be um, Temple of Doom. Oh, hmm. I think mainly my dislike of it was it was so different from Raiders and Crusade. Last Crusade. Yeah. It's such a different film. That,
0: yeah. As a child, it was my least favorite. I and mean, I still liked it. I loved all three, but and it was easily my least favorite. But now it, it's, it's great. Aladdin Crusade buck buck back and forth. Gotcha. But I think Temple wins out more often than not.
1: See, with that one, it, it, the opening sequence is really interesting and unique, and you kind of see Indy in a noirish kind of setting, yeah. which is really fun. You also get a glimpse at what his life is like when he's not on one of these grand adventures. Right, yeah. Yeah. So that that's one I've, I've kind of... And I think my dislike of that film was mainly because my dad really liked 1 and 3. So that's mm-hmm. those are the ones I saw all the time. Mm-hmm. And if I had seen Temple of Doom, it was because I was watching it with my dad, and he was begrudgingly watching it. Mm-hmm. So that was, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, that those would probably be my three yeah. weird ones.
4: I think it's, it's a it's a very good example of like the the sort of trilogy format where you have this like you know or like in music like this ABA form you know where yeah. you have something, then you have to have like a different thing, and then, you and go, then go, back you go back to, to the, the original. Yeah. And it's 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 interesting how it's almost formulaic. Like when you <clears throat> look at the the first and second one, like well, what happened in the first one? Well, okay, you know, Indy beds this woman. Okay, so in this one, he's not gonna have sex with her. Okay, so okay, what else? And they're like, oh, well, you know, and and yeah, going from that sort of like going for this this. Artifact um, with, I think, some religious significance. I think in the, fr- I forget what exactly it was in the first. Yarko. It was the Yarko. Co- Yarko, like. well, no, but like the the, oh, the 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 opening. He was going for some smaller thing. I thought. Oh, the golden uh, ops. Oh. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, in the, in the temple. Thing. And then in the second one, it's yeah, like you said, it's this, it's sort, this sort of noirish thing. Like I think in diamonds, the, yeah. yeah. And in the the first and the third one, he actually goes back to his to school. And yeah, he's like in his, in his school, in his office. You right see on. this little glimpse of him as a teacher.
0: Filmed that University of the Pacific in Stockton, California. Oh, nice. Don't go to Stockton. Okay. <laughs>
4: um, but yeah, you, you don't you don't get that in in the second one. It kind of just he like stumbles into this adventure, and uh, um, yeah. So it was it, it's neat, I think, to look at all three and see how they followed that. And that I, I wonder if like you ever had to sit down and watch all three in a row. If it would make the viewing as a whole that much better because you get to have this concept, a complete break from it, but then a return to that concept, and, and I think that's why a lot of people are like, "Yeah, I like one and three because that's that's what they like about Indiana Jones <laughs> and what made it cool." And but if we had done three movies like that, I would have we, been like I was a part of it. If yeah. if they had made three movies exactly like that, yeah, by the third, we'd be like, "What the hell? Come on!" Like you're beating this whole religious artifact thing to death.
1: Like, let's yeah, do so. something else, you know? And See, it's kind of like the opposite of what they did with Back to the Futures trilogy, mm-hmm. where one was meant to be its own thing, mm-hmm. and then two spent most of, half of its time setting up three, and then the other half being weird, mm-hmm. and then three just being this pretty interesting conclusion, but it doesn't have that A, B, A format. It's mm-hmm. like A, then C, and D, mm-hmm. the... the, the lines are very strange and
0: 4 feels like a more natural sequel than 2 did for indie no for back to the future oh man I wasn't supposed to tell anyone yet shit I mean I've never seen a DeLorean
1: I know what you're talking about
0: (laughs) hey time travel joke (laughs) (laughs) was that cumbersome or what Uh,
1: you you committed though that that I (laughs) admire that quite a bit you know rule number one
0: of holes is when you're in one stop digging
1: when I'm in one
0: I get out my jackhammer. (laughs) Well, I was really if admiring... I'm going to th- die in this hole, it's going to be the world's <laughs> deepest hole.
1: I swear. Well, I thought we did that thing like with the Koya uh episode where I was talking about the, the second and third Matrix film. And oh, you yeah. like, what? You, you've, you've seen, seen the, seen the Nikoi Nikoi uh, <laughs> uh, Well, because... And yeah. then we spent so long talking about Indy as a trilogy without referring to the film that no one should refer to because it's... I, right. No,
0: no joke. I really... Honestly, I swear, when I bought my, f- my Steelbook box set of Blu-rays, I thought I had too many discs, because it had five discs, the four films and special features, and I was like, did I get, are there two special features discs in here? What the, because something the Star Wars DVD set of the original trilogy did when they brought those out right. on DVDs, it has two special features discs, because one of them is almost completely taken up by a documentary. Right. Mm. And so I was thinking, oh, maybe still I mean, Indiana Jones, right? And I went one, two, three. I counted like six times. I <laughs> sit on my couch, one, two, five. five, five discs, huh? So I went to the last disc, and it was just said special features, and it says special features two. It's little features, features. Did they put something in the front first <laughs> disc? No. <Nope>. Uh, Raiders, <laughs> second disc, Temple, third, and I got to the fourth and went. Oh, <laughs> oh i really, honest to God, forgot that film existed. I know that's the trendy joke to, so, oh, what film? I, I really swear that's to you. That's amazing. I was so confused when I opened that
1: up. What a forgettable film. Uh,
4: the, the thing that makes me angry about it, though, is I feel like... I, I don't hate it for the doing same reason. <laughs> episode now. This episode, <laughs>
0: right, we're right. doing let's, the fourth let's, indie let's, thing? No,
1: let's save it, let's save it. Uh, that should be... This should be a special episode where we talk about why is this a sequel? Why did they do why this? Why does yeah. this exist? Like, who Will thought this was a good idea. So films. it would be King of the Crystal Skull. It'd be Die Hard Five. It'd be uh, Alien Four or Three and Four. Mm-hmm. Or Whatever. It, it'll be. Uh,
0: you're gonna make me say it, aren't you? Yes. Either of you can read my mind.
3: Oh, it'll be Airbender. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good. One. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: These won't be films that we watch again. We will no, just... No, we yeah. won't even bother. We'll, just <laughs> we'll read the IMDb blurb, and then we'll... Yeah. <laughs> we'll, drink. <laughs> we'll drink. We'll drink
3: <laughs> mm.
0: I didn't I don't mean to derail you, Tim. I mean, would you rather oh, no. save that? No, no, just, yeah, no, yeah. We don't I, have
1: to get into that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Let's end on a good novel. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's,
0: so uh, Tim, in, you know, sticking with you, you will be picking our next film. Yes. Yes, you'll be so. picking for episode six. And that will bring us to the conclusion of our second cycle. Oh, Ooh. snap. <laughs> so after that, we'll have another recap. Don't worry, that will release midway between, yep. you know, at the two week marks, so we won't we won't have, you we won't have to wait extra long for Episode 7 in the beginning of the new cycle. But uh, what will you be bringing to us in Episode 6,
4: Tim? Episode 6, we're going to be watching Pi, uh, Pi. Darren P-I-E Aronofsky's... P-I-, P-I. Pi. Or P. Or P. P? P? Oh, okay, yeah. yes. Okay. <laughs> Not, yeah, not, not like as in Piece of Pie. Um, <laughs> but the number five. Right, yes. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, it's Darren Aronofsky's uh, first film. At least as far... I mean, I'm sure he's done other films, but that's sort of the, the first... Feature length. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, more people are probably familiar with him for... You know, Requiem for a Dream was his first more mainstream film that I feel like a lot more people knew about. Um, he did uh, Noah. Uh, more recently, he's doing the film Mother with uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, uh, is that Actually sorry Mother Because it has an Exclamation point <laughs> after it
0: <laughs> Is that out yet Or not
4: Maybe Why? I've seen a lot of Trailers for it So it's 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 is either out Or film? coming out Looks it Or like You know Really intense Suspense Because well, it was Mama
1: <sighs> Which is a horror film Yeah it No it's it's mother. It. it's mother
4: Yeah Um. So anyway This is sort of His first film Again as I mentioned Earlier when I was at Blockbuster This was sort of like you know, a lot of these yes. filmmakers were on the rise and becoming more popular. So, Requiem for the for a dream had come out around the same time as Christopher Nolan's Memento. And then those of us who kind of you know jumped onto these filmmakers said, "Oh, what did they do before this?" And okay. um, uh, you know, with Darren Aronofsky, it was Pie was his film sort of before that, where it was like, "Oh, okay, like this is really cool." Um, so it's 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 in black and white and. It's about this mathematician who's obsessed with, uh, with Pi, and, but also with, with other stuff, too. It's not just about Pi. Like There's a more involved story that goes on, and um, I won't go too much into detail, but, um, but it, it is interesting, I promise. And, and what's really cool is the math isn't dealt with in such a way that you have to be a mathematician. It's kind of dealt with as this concept where they kind of throw out a few interesting tidbits, and you're like, oh, wow, that's really interesting, and then they kind of move on you know, with the story. But it's interesting too, and those of you who are familiar with Darren Aronofsky's stuff, you'll get to see some of the things that, you know, this is where they kind of were born, some of his little, uh, you know, cinematic, um, you know, tricks. Like there's one where they'll show uh, a lot of. Uh, you know, very like these close up scenes, very quick back to back, and they'll do that a bunch of times. Like it happens in Requiem every time they take drugs, you'll get this like really quick shot of like, okay, here's the heroin in the spoon boiling, and then okay, suck it in the syringe, and then the eyes, eyes dilate. And you know, like this is this is supposed to show this quick montage of like, okay, this is them getting high, and then boom, now they're high. Mm-hmm. Um, he you know, start a lot of that here mm-hmm. in this film. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's what we're doing next time. All yeah. right, cool. great, sounds like fun. I don't oh. know about that, but it's a good film. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, not, I don't know if I'd call it fun. Nah, but the but experience will be yeah. fun, watching <laughs> it with you guys, talking about it.
0: Alright, well, that's uh. So, Tim, you're bringing us another... It's probably a little artsy, a little bit. Oh,
1: know, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so you're the artsy film guy, I'm the Japanese film guy, Joel's the only one who's actually brought us any variety. Which, uh, <laughs> I just brought uh, weird <laughs> franchise things. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're also, the franchise I'll guy. I'll be <laughs> shattering that my next cycle. Okay. okay so yeah. As we discussed, oh, definitely picking something non-Japanese <laughs> next time through. <laughs> so, we'll see. But for the moment, Tim will remain the artsy-fartsy one. Uh, well, yes, that was, I think, our longest episode yet.
1: Oh, yeah. It easily. Didn't, it
0: didn't feel like it. Not recording. At all. It. it was a lot of fun. Thank you all so very much for joining us. We hope you'll continue to find cinematic joy and friends to share it with. And we hope to... Uh, I was going to say hope to see you, but we don't see anybody. <laughs> hope you'll join us again next month for Pi. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.